it's venomous, absolutely. Okay. Is a the venom of a baby different than an Not adult? Not at all. Not okay. at all. Okay, same um, strength. Absolutely. Usually from a bite, if you just take a close, like a quick nip or, or you know, you're tongue feeding and you're not paying attention, and I've had like the tip of my finger nipped one time, you basically, you free bleed for about an hour or two. Oh. This is From the Ground Up, the story of me starting my reptile business. So, episode 32 of From the Ground Up. Today our guest is going to be Ryan Sullivan from the Ivory Connection. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you work with in business. Should I we wait till people watch? Sorry. Good. We're on the download. Okay, no let's do it. It's all good. Uh, I work with big snakes, man. The big stuff. Berms, retics specifically. I've had everything in my lifetime, man. But in like 2010, that's really when I kind of like focused on retics, Burmese pythons. I really focused on my genetics with those projects, man. And that's mostly what I work with these days. Now, oh, I got a zoo at the house, too. There's fucking chameleons and caimans and, you know, there's all sorts of shit at the house. But really, retics, they, they pay the bills these days. So do you breed the other ones, the chameleons yeah, and all that? I've got about 36 chameleon eggs cooking right now. Whoa. I've got, um, I just hatched my first short tail python. I've got a gravid blood right now. I've got a gravid green berm at the house right now. The I just had 14 eggs from my Mexican beaded lizard's leg on a breeder wow. right now. It, th- there's a lot happening at the Ivory Connection. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for sure. I know when we went to your house, you talked about the Mexican bee lizard. That sure. one's venomous, right? Absolutely. Their toxicity is the exact same, pretty much, as like an Aatrox. Um, it, it, it's it's venomous, absolutely. Okay. Is a the venom of a baby different than an Not adult? Not at all. Not okay. at all. Okay. Same um, strength. Absolutely. Usually, from a bite, if you just take a close, like a quick nip, or, or you know, you're tongue feeding and you're not paying attention, and I've had like the tip of my finger nipped one time, you basically you free bleed for about an hour or two. Okay. It just won't coagulate or <laughs> okay. stop bleeding. <laughs> exactly. You say that so calmly, oh, like yeah, they're just not—they are just bleeding for an hour. Oh, for sure. This was my response to this bite. Bill Haas, the only. His yeah. worst bite that he ever got was from a beaded lizard. Really? Yeah. Man. Oh, dude, you know, my hand swole up a little bit and was sore for like four days. But like other than that, it really wasn't that bad. But that was all it was. I was literally, I was hand feeding babies and somebody yelled at me and I started yelling back over my shoulder and it was totally my fault. Like, <laughs> it was totally my fault, 100%. <laughs> the first thing someone commented is I'm waiting for the Shrek Ice Cube mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when did, when did we switch from ice tea to ice cube? I don't know. Like, which one? <laughs> one was on law and order and one yes. was one is lighter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one, one of them is fuck the police. One of them is the police. Is the police now. That's a good. That's a good thing to remember. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. They want Evan back. The people that's liked Evan. He's, he's, he's a good guy, man. He helps me out a lot at the house too. You know. Yeah, that's true. Wasn't he cleaning some cages? Absolutely, for absolutely. I mean, y'all only gave me like five hundred shoutouts last week. For, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But he yeah, he comes out like almost every Friday and helps me clean cages, and I can turn him loose in a baby room and he just like knows what to do he goes in there yeah. and knocks it all out it, it's cool man. it's so nice having someone that at least knows about snakes you know, or today i had a good friend over and i was cleaning stuff he's like man you want some help and i was like honestly <laughs> no, not I'm real more right exactly all of a sudden i have to show you my routine we're gonna spend three hours just <laughs> trying to get you in the like 
spiel of things, you know, it's really unique to have somebody that comes by and goes, oh, yeah, I'm used to snakes, you know, I can just go in here and do this, for sure. Right. Right. For sure. So, speaking of cleaning, um, your largest snake, (laughs) how long does it take you you know, my largest snake right now, I've got a big girl at the house. She's about 19 foot, <gasps> almost 200 pounds. She's a okay. solid 175, 180 pounds. Uh, I get her out. I let her free roam the room around behind me. She just kind of takes up the room, does whatever she wants, stretches for about a good 20 minutes. I scrub out the whole enclosure. It's really, it's a 20, 25 minute kind of ordeal. Whoa. And that's, that's if she like painted the glass. Uh, I mean, it seems like retakes do that. It's pretty stuff. typical. The ceiling, yeah. the walls, the glass. You're probably going to have to get in there and do some scrubbing. Absolutely. And, and a snake that size, too, it's not like you're talking like a little dog turd. It's like, it looks like a horse got in there sometimes. It's, it's rough. <laughs> and, like, one of the things I noticed is you may have gotten that girl early or something, but most of your retakes really aren't as big as some other people who Are deliver their feed their retakes a lot. Uh, really? Well, I want to talk about, like, feeding because well, they're definitely Okay, smaller. I've never seen retakes like that. Till I saw yours. So in my head, that's fucking well, you've huge. Just never seen but so you're it. saying there's bigger than his? You know, very commonly you see what? like the big names in the hobby: your prehistoric pets, your Bob Clark. I wasn't going to mention it. I'll throw out names. Fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> but you have these bigger name guys, man, and they're just so into this genetic race and trying to beat everybody to the punch and trying to get to the next new thing that they're just pounding these girls and they're like, okay. "Oh, I want to have oh, no. you know 300 egg clutches or." whatever the hell it is uh and, and so they're just banging these girls and they're banging these girls and it, it, it's not necessary at all and especially in your males uh you know most of my males are in the six to eight foot class i've got nine ten year old boys that are no larger than nine foot and still live very comfortably in a four foot enclosure you don't have to have these animals huge and it's not natural on them uh yeah. when you find natural in the wild wild caught males you're looking at five to seven foot animals typically. Very lean, are arboreal their whole lifetime, and they're living on bats and birds. Yeah, you're not having a 22 foot retake on the top of a cave. Right, exactly. Nailing bats out of the air. That's right. not how this works. They man. seem like a very lean, athletic snake, and some of these out there. man. Yeah. Even a large female in the wild should still be arboreal. 200 pound snakes aren't flying through trees chasing monkeys. Right. They do that in the wild. 15 foot female will chase a monkey through a tree and get his ass. Like, uh, they're definitely much more leaner in the wild than we see these guys in the captivity. And it's just because they're just banging them, banging them, banging them, trying to get them up to that breeder size, trying to get them to where they have 40, 50 clutch eggs. You know, and, and it seems like, too, it's backwards thinking because your leaner, hardier, muscular animals will lay those perfect 40 egg clutches, those 42, 44s. And you're like, man. Man, I got all pearls. Everything's fine. If you got a big 200-pound female and she's laying an 80-pile, half of that's going to be vile. You still got the really? same 40 eggs. They just don't simply lay. It's like, just not possible. It's really like, No not. matter how much you try to pump them. One male viability is probably not going to fertilize 60, 70. It's not miles. enough in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. They can't pump enough For sure. to successfully do that's it. A lot of, uh, that's a lot of egg to fertilize. Uh, it's really not natural, though, to see those girls that size, to see those girls pumping out those numbers. I've seen 108, I think, was the most eggs I ever seen laid Whoa. from a female from this big, Whoa. massive thing. But she, like, like, 20 of them are viable. So it's so kind of... like, what's I the point? Like if retics would, or snakes in general would be the same as females reproducing, then... It, like female humans have oh, a sure. finite amount of eggs. Yep. So it's like if your retic female has a finite amount of eggs in her, so that means that the would be better. Rate, right. Yeah, you can do 
40 eggs for 10 years or maybe 80 eggs for five years absolutely. or something. I would think there's a drop off. Of absolutely. Like that. Absolutely. But definitely leaner, more muscular animals, more in shape animals. Those animals are going to live 25, 30 years too. And that to me is my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal isn't making these worlds first. It isn't making crazy genetic combinations. It isn't making a bunch of money. My ultimate goal is just do right by these animals, man. You know, they should live 25 to 30 years. If I can get that expect you know, expectancy out of my life, out of my collection and their livelihood that's what i'm shooting for man and i think everybody should strive for that not just like trying to get stuff up to breed you should be trying to do as best as you can by these animals but i sure. feel like you do all that shit anyway because you have crazy genetics Absolutely. going on and you know i preach this to the, to the moon too it's not about like starting with you know trying to chase a genetic or trying to chase a morph or trying to chase the next new thing if you just work with what you like and you fucking enjoy the hobby that you're in the other you, stuff will come it all is going right. to fall like in that it's place, good man. you start with what you like first exactly. and then it'll, you know you're the like, rest of that your passion is what's going to sell these animals the animals they don't sell themselves these genetic combos aren't where the money is at. The money is from the guy who takes care of his stuff and has a following of people that goes, man, this guy really cares about his product. He really cares about these animals. He's consistently taking care of this stuff. He's consistently putting out a quality product. That's where you start to make money, and that's where you start to make sales. I could have been making cows and purple phantoms two years ago, just like everybody else that was in the first run of it all or whatever the hell, but it wouldn't have meant anything because that's not where my heart is. I love this ivory stuff I work with. Everybody told me from day one, why do you want to work with ivory? You're just really? going to make another white snake. You know, you're going to put motley on top of that. You're just going to make another white snake. You won't know it's a motley. Well, my fucking motley ultras come out purple in the egg. <laughs> when I made them in albino, they're a solid pink snake. I've hit so many world first now. Every single year I make a new world's first with this ivory product. And it's just because everybody told me like, ah, you know, why invest in that? It's a bad bet. Well, sometimes you got to take that bet, man, if you want to see what's really out there. I think also what you're doing is like saying, I want an ivory, you go to Ryan Sullivan because there's no one else who has Nobody's the really specializing in that gene anymore. Absolutely. Speaking right. of that. And I think that, that oh. talks to picking a side or maybe a gene that you work with and then people are like, you're known for Absolutely. this kind of animal. You're known for albino, whatever, whatever. You know, there's all sorts of guys out there that, that have their own little lines or that are known for you know their purple albino or for their type of this or the cleanliness in their tigers. And that's what you want to strive for, man. Yeah. It's not about having like the gene. Genes have variability, man. You could have the newest gene out there and there's a brown version and there's a bright orange version and there's a red version. It's about cleaning that gene up and making it making it yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, that's like imagining that you have a jungle and you know, it's kind of ugly, kind of dirty, and then you pop out more jungles and then you're like all right, this is just what this is, and you move on with your life. Instead, we line bred them until they look like highlighter. Right, black. until you get that bright animal, until you get that vibrant yellows and those vibrant dark, deep blacks and those contrasting colors. That's that's what it is, line breeding. It's, it's been forgotten yeah. across the board. I think the ball python market is probably where it's the worst. Like People go, oh, yeah, I want to make Mojave, so I just go buy any Mojave. Well, you put 10 Mojaves next to each other, you've got that you're, bright, vibrant they're different. gold, and you've got that ugly, dark brown. Like, there's a, there's a gradient. There was there. a time in the ball python market where it didn't matter, because right. all you wanted it was the just number to chase of the genes. genes. Just to stack more Four genes. genes in that motherfucker. Yep. For sure. You know, right I try there. really hard to, like... Like, I, I'm big on the tiger stuff. There's a lot of people who don't like all the tiger stuff. Well, in the tiger stuff in the retic world, there's your classic tiger that has these dorsal patterns that are real circular, and they kind of butt up like little half moons down the dorsal, and they kind of give it a wavy look to it. 
I like those. That's your classic tiger. That's not how I like my tigers. I like them to connect. And on all of my tigers, if you look through okay. my green stock, they have a perfect One dorsal strike line. all the okay. way where those half moons have connected now and made a dorsal strike. This last clutch I just hashed out, I hashed out 26 tigers that all had perfect dorsal stripes. Damn. Like, eventually, I will have my own little line of tigers where they With all the have perfect dorsal stripes. Right. And then you'll get to the point where the market realizes you're at a certain level and your snakes don't go down in price exactly every that's year. my animal you can go buy tigers for 150 dollars but it's not, but it's not my fucking tiger that i've line bred and worked seven years on to get a look a certain cleanliness and a, a certain way with contrasting colors and uh, you know with the with the pattern the way i want it to look I, I put time into that you know so when people come to me sometimes and i'm under market across the board typically but on stuff like that I'm way over everybody's mm, tiger market. Because you know what you put I into it. I know exactly what I put into those animals to make them look that nice and to make them play. I sell $250 tigers when people are trying to give them away for 150 bucks right now. Mm. I've got a waiting list for mine. Wow. You know, it's just, I put the time into that gene and now mine look better than other people's, for sure. Speaking of, like, having a name for yourself, someone on Facebook uh, said, hey, Ryan, the Texas retic, retic man. So, yeah. like, clearly, like, you know? that's what you are. We're like, you've become the retic man. There's some big shoes here, man. You know, there was a lot of us when I first got into this in, like, 2010. Lacey Act kind of, like, fucked everything up. We kind of kicked Bob out of our market some. It left it to where it was just, so like... So, explain the Lacey Yeah, Act I was about to say, I don't know what that yeah, is. Yeah. So, Lacey Act, man, so we started with our Burmese pythons and all this nonsense in Florida or whatever. Basically, uh, Man, we got to really retract it. Let's go back to like Hurricane Andrew. <laughs> Hurricane Andrew comes in, fucks up Florida, turns loose all these Burmese pythons all over Florida. These Burmese pythons were part of a large breeding facility where they were actually doing research on the Burmese python. They were breeding them and sending them back to like where they belong and stuff. Like they were doing wild caught breeding for, for captive breeding for wild caught conservation. It was a very much a, it was a, program for, for, for science man and it was beneficial to the species well when hurricane andrew came through and disposed all these animals all over florida basically it that caused a problem sure they're in certain parts of the everglades they're out there and they they are you know potentially eating other animals or whatever the hell it is that they're doing but this whole like animal planet they're in your backyard they're gonna eat your dogs and your babies and they're everything thing it's a lot of sensationalism it really is it's all been sensationalized like to like crazy heights and of course government get funding by super hyping up this stuff so now they got money to spend and people can have budgets to go give out to people so you know all these hunts and all these things they're doing in the last three or four years like the last big hunt i remember it was like six months they sent out hundreds of hunters there's thousands of dollars on the line you come and bring in these animals or whatever the hell and they found like 30 pythons oh shit you know there's not oh, this like massive that's it? ride but exactly. then just no matter even if it was a big problem what they take is florida's problem where the only place it's that like Burmese can live it's like this two percent portion of florida it's like this little it's not even the like the whole state by any so they're reason. like where people don't means. even live really if you're like in the everglades in the swamps there's something right. wrong when I see that. the videos, it's not <laughs> like they're in city streets or anything exactly. going to find. Like they're out in the middle of nowhere. Where no. like I'm like, okay, wait, what's happening? Like why? Right. Like time. if you snopes all those like videos of like you know Burmese python in a pool, it's all stuff that has been sensationally. They come, they turn that stuff loose in the pool, they shoot their little Animal Planet video, and they get it out of there, man. And it really. It hurt our hobby for a long time because America believed that there was this huge problem. There's these wild Burmese pythons that are
taking over America and they're going to come eat your children. Uh, and it's just not so, man. There's, there's <laughs> like, so, that, so that leads to HSUS stepping in and saying, hey, we should not ship these anywhere. Absolutely. And then that's where you come in with the lazy. So guys. that fucked you up. Uh, you know, Burmese pythons was my heart. That was where I started. Before I had any retics, I had berms long before all that stuff. And it, it really did. It put it to where, like, I had just invested all this money. I had one of the first ivories that was in like the country. I had one of the original high How'd you high get phones. that, Ryan? Uh, Tom Regan was a good friend of mine. Is a good friend of mine. He kind of let me in the doorway with the with the berms. Uh, he was a great help to teach me about genetics and stuff like that as well. Tom Regan, great guy out there. Tom Regan Reptiles uh, pretty much only produces Burmese pythons. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I thought those beers yeah. were like in the fridge. I was going to have to somehow get Go up. Go find get one. Yeah. Hell yeah. You're welcome. But, uh, you know, it definitely messed up things. And it definitely, when I got into berms in Texas, they were everywhere. They were dime a dozen. You could buy, literally people would have five-gallon buckets full of albinos at shows. And for $75, you could just come in and pick one out of your bucket, you know? What? They were giving berms away in, like, 2008, okay, 2009. Okay. <laughs> they were just everywhere. There was, like, a dozen of us in Texas that were breeding them. They were very prevalent. And then this Lacey Act hit. And all these people went, oh, I won't be able to send them out anywhere. And they all just kind of like sold out, locked up, shut they the door. They were just like, I don't even want, I'm scared. I just right. want to get rid of it. Yeah. They assumed their market was going to crash before they even had a chance to see what was going to really happen with it, man. And I don't know. I loved my berms. Even if I don't ever breed berms again, I'm not getting rid of the stuff that's at my house. Why? I fucking love the granite berms. Hell yeah. Is that what you posted on Instagram? The one one big snake that I would have if I had that, like, if I slipped one day, it was like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) If you slipped. I like how you said slipped. Hell yeah. If you weren't thinking about me in your head telling you not to. I'd be like, fuck yeah, we're getting that immediately. They're fucking amazing. So I love those. Absolutely. They're not huge. You know, and that's another snake, too, where it's like, you can keep these animals manageable, like you man. Your yeah. very, very large berms, those are the ones that always get upper respiratory infections. Really? Your fucking 18, 20-footers trapped in a six-foot cage where it can't move around very it's much. It's just affecting Right. It's stagnant air is kind of one of these things. Tom Regan's one of the first people I ever remember talking about it, but you're starting to hear it more and more these days. These big berms and these URIs that they're so known for, it's all about exercise. These big, sluggish animals are sitting perfectly still, and they're just breathing this stale air in the stale uh-huh. cage and they're not mm-hmm. moving and that's where this upper respiratory is I don't think from. people think about that like oh, not at they're all. like okay everyone keeps it in a cage it's okay to keep what? it in a cage like my temp's right. right. Like, my temp's yeah. right. My humidity's right. I don't know why my right. Sick. I think in nope. s- in so many ways we separate like snakes from humans because they are very different. Like, I understand it, but in some other ways, you just need to think about some like basic things to live oh, that like sure. pretty much all species need like Everything they need to exercise. move yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> think of one animal that stays a hundred percent still like they, all the they time they don't move a lot but they did but a they study need... on indigos they move a mile a year yeah, absolutely. absolutely like and even if you don't need that research just common sense like oh yep. This thing can't move. It can only move one-fourth of its body at a time or it's going to hit the edge of my cage. Like, maybe I should do something bigger. For sure. And then the flip side of that, too, is like with the retics, you know, some snakes don't do well in big environments, but they still have to come out and get exercise. There's not a snake in my house that doesn't get out at least twice a month. And if you're an asshole, it's only twice a month. Like, (laughs) like, most of my snakes are getting out three, four times a week even. But Uh, also, you're not 
putting all the food into them. So how often sure. do you feed I'm maybe still, a male to a female? I'm still weekly nasty? feeding every seven to ten days adult animals. I mean, just my males that are never eating anything larger than a colossal rat. You know, I could feed those guys. Colossal rat. Yeah. I'm sorry, that was really funny. <laughs> I just, it sound real small. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, it's the size of like a Nerf football, you know. But I, I could be feeding oh, them four-pound rabbits. They are more right. than capable of taking that and getting these obscure sizes. People it's just fucking goats and shit. All the time. People are always telling me how proud they are of their 15-foot male that's like 120 pounds. And I'm just like, great. You took an animal that's going to live 30 years and you made it so he's going to live like eight and he's going to die like kidney failure right. and heart disease. So you got a the same thing I'm going to die from because I'm overweight. You, know? you got like, a huge size for half the time. Speaking of your males and females, someone sure. asked, do you always cool your females down? I do personally. I know people that tell me, you know, they've got stuff in rooms with no windows and they don't adjust their temperatures and they still have seasons personally for me it all started like this now my season's gotten crazy because i follow like just what the season's doing now but it started on a holiday schedule and basically it was like every year right around the first of september i begin my cooling and by the time i hit like the Halloween area, I'm as cool as I'm going to get. So every night, okay. I go from having like 84, 85 degrees where it's normally sitting, to I drop it like a degree. And then next week, I'll drop it another okay. degree or two. And I do that for four or five weeks until we get around that Halloween time. Halloween time, man, those girls, they're coiled up tight. They're bloated with follicles. They're ready to bed. go. They know what's going they're on. They're like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then I start throwing the males in. And the males, it's like two weeks of wooing. Two weeks of like they're all over. You don't expect to see a lockup right off the bat, you know. He's got to get in there, whisper some sweet nothings in her ear. I got to play a little Alan Green for two weeks, but you know, it all it all catches up eventually. And are you hoping that they that might spur like growing follicles in the females? Or? You know, that, that's the cooling is what it's all about. The cooler it gets, and the more you start to notice they're hugging that cold side of their tank, and they eventually you'll notice your females that girl that's really getting ready and is really like uncomfortable with follicles, she'll throw her body up on that side wall. Just like, to be really sick. get on right, it? Right, get Whoa. cold is what she's trying to do. She's trying to cool her body all the way down. When you see them, like they're throwing that body up on the glass or they're throwing mm-hmm. that body up on that side wall. Trying to get cool. Get a male in there. Yeah, get a nail in there because she's just about ready to roll, man. But to me, those seasonal changes and that cooling process, it's what starts my season. If I didn't do it, I don't think I'd have a season for sure. This make- oh, sorry. Maybe yeah, I I think I see it in your collection because you just post this stuff, but I also see it in ball python collections that kind of maybe domestication's taking place, but you breed kind of all year round like like you just you just cut eggs and then you have a female it's crazy now it used to be this like perfect season like i say i start pairing around halloween and then like i start seeing eggs around thanksgiving and then i'm like hatching babies at christmas time new year's or whatever and for some reason i think it has to do with just our weather changes like texas weather has been crazy like it just gets warmer and warmer and now we had this weird cold ass fucking summer the morning the morning is in the 60s right yet the afternoons in the 90s so So it's like what the fuck are you supposed to do right now i've got snakes breeding at the house right now that would never breed until october typically just because because we have these random colds for the mornings it's fall for half the day and then summer for the rest of the half it just made it so i had to adjust to them when you see those females doing right you just you start going ahead and dropping your temps you start getting in line with them because outside behavior 
Barometric pressure plays a part in this. The fucking moon cycle plays a part in this. There's what? a whole lot more here than just like, I just threw two dogs together and they made more dogs. It's not like that it, with these things. There's man. thoughts Absolutely. behind it. Definitely. You really have to make spring happen. You know, you have to make those seasonal changes. And a lot of that's just waiting for them to naturally occur. And, and at just... the same time, they like do their own thing. And oh, you, for sure. You can control it to a certain extent, but at the end of the day. I got girls that, you know, I'll be like, I swear this girl, she breeds this time every year. It's like clockwork. And then she'll just take three years off. Yeah. Like, whoa, I did everything the same. What do you mean you're just done? Like, and then she'll start breeding again, you know? So it, I tell people that all the time. I don't tell these snakes when to breed. I just watch them. I'm extremely observant. And when they give me the signs, I do what I'm supposed to do. But it's it's all on them. And there's no guarantee that I'm going to have a season next year. Like, all these girls could just go like, nope, things ain't I'm right done. this year. We're, we're not going to do it this year. That's when you get caught and, like, people do so much snake math. Like, I bought this snake. I'm going to breed oh. it in this amount of time. Then I'm going to make this many babies. That so never so. works. Whatever that is, like, you just throw all that to yeah. the garbage. Because, like, none of that math ever For the next up. five years, I'll make 40 <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Shit yeah. just never... Exactly. That's never why the guys can. who are really successful have these large collections because a third of it's probably only going to breed every season. You so know? you have to switch off. Absolutely. And it's good too. You know, I see a lot of guys that'll just breed, breed, breed everything they got. Myself, this is the first year that my collection's gotten to a point, my females are mature to a point where I'm really going to start breaking into like a third. Where it's like every year I breed about a third of my collection. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you want that ivory, that Motley Platinum stuff, you might have to wait two more years before Damn. I make it again. You know what I mean? That's going to hold my market strong. That's going to make it so my females are laying hardier clutches. They're getting two years They're not, the you're next not just time. constantly I'm trying to work them out like a puppy right. mill. You know what I mean? Right. It's really letting those girls put their mommy weight back on, cycle right, lay good, hardy, healthy clutches. And that's across the board what I'm here for. I'm up for healthy animals, man. I, I'm not into just production. And this year we hit like 240 animals, 250 animals. We might have beat that just a little bit even. I don't want to make much more than this. Like okay. 500 was always my cap out. And I now I'm thinking like 350 animals is a it's solid a season. shit ton, Ryan. Uh, like that's a lot. Especially when you have higher level animals. Absolutely. I make a, a decent enough living. I, I'm doing better than are a school you, teacher. Are you full time? This or? is all I do. Hey, let's not bring up the school <laughs> oh, teacher sound. Like, I do slightly better than a school teacher, but I'm not like an auto mechanic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's not use that expression. Yeah. School teachers right here. Okay. <laughs> Too funny. Now, I'm not getting rich over here, man, but that was always my goal was if I could make a school teacher salary doing what I love to do, well, then that's all I really that's care like about. Also, let me bring up school teachers. Right. <laughs> school teacher salaries are very varied. Let me say one point. If you work for yep. a Dallas. Some people who are hey, right now yeah. are the lower hey, hey. Yeah. If you work for a Dallas independent sure. school district school, you yeah. are, if you are, you are guaranteed $50,000 minimum. That's probably better than I'm doing. Let me just state so, that. Yeah. It is better than I'm doing because yeah. I work at preschool. I but, figure I've got to do 100 to clear 40 you know feed yeah. is crazy i'm spending 1500 a month on feed i spend and 400 a month on that. paper towels like, what you know, I he spend $100 okay those, you make me feel better shit, you right? make me feel better no he goes through oh, so yeah. much fucking paper towel <laughs> all in the snakes I was she's, like, like, she's like how are you making paper towel rolls the heights for the snakes because he goes through so many like so much shit you don't think about with snakes i think about i'm like 
wow, our electricity bill is real high this week. And I kept thinking, like, what is it? What is it? Was it? like, it's a oh, because there's heat tape. Because there's heat tape, tape yep. on all of these. Absolutely. And all that shit. Absolutely. Um, okay. There's a lot right. more than just oh, banging shit. out sticks. What? For sure. what? You might think what I'm thinking. No. But I want to talk about the production rats that you're starting. No, no, no. Pause. I want to say something before that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is about retics and rats. But someone asked a question three times, so I want to answer them. All right, well, we Can got. you do it real quick? It's for you. Yeah. Uh, what is your normal corn snake feeding plan for a non-breeding corn snakes? I don't know if there's a difference Honestly, in feeding if between you breeding them. If it's anything so this from is going to addiction goner. Anything from hatchling to you're about the time where you're about to breed. I would, if you're just keeping it as a pet, go once a week, and then when it's adult size, it stops growing. Just cut that to maybe once every two to three weeks. Just Depends on how your animal looks, but you definitely want to, I mean, that's a rule of thumb for me. I feed my babies, if they're hatchlings, up until they get well started, maybe like three months or so. I'll do that three to five days. But once they're ready to go, they're started. Once a week is fine. Yeah, Even as hatchlings, that's, once a week That's is fine. baby snake almost across the really? board, too, honestly. I mean, that there's could... stuff with slower metabolisms out there, GTPs and things like that, that maybe you want to give a little more space. But that, that that's the same routine I do on my baby routine. Really? Okay. I mean, little guys right off the egg, if they're pooping... When they poop, they get another meal, man. You know, by the time they <laughs> I do that for, for ball pythons too. When I bred balls, absolutely. If you thing. poop on three days, day four, you get a you meal, it, dude. Right. Absolutely. Okay. I just wanted to answer her yeah. or him because, um, yes. Um, and then Ryan, someone named Patrick Starr oh, goodness. said to that's my boo. Like wait, SpongeBob. like I was gonna say, that's wait, likes to, is that a like real person's Bob. name or like is that SpongeBob? SpongeBob. <laughs> He's a legit person. He is. Uh, okay. Is his name like, Patrick Starr? <laughs> that is really his. No. Name. Wait, that is awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, he said, tell everyone about the snake you sold him. That's getting to him next weekend. It's supposedly it's like really cool or something. He um, bought a nice tin lot from me of some stuff. I think he's wanting to get an ultra ivory golden child. I had some ultra ivory golden child possible tigers out of this last clutch. I don't know. Patrick is probably like my number one customer right now. So <laughs> he buys a lot of stuff. He it's hard for me to go like, yeah, here's that one Patrick snake that he bought. Like, fuck, that guy's fucking kept me running this year. I love that guy. <laughs> he um, also said, should I be painting my TCs and berms already ticks. for... I can't read. Pairing is, is pairing. Thank you. You know, it so, just depends, man. Like I say, watch those girls. You'll know. You'll know that girl. She's gonna blow it up big. There's signs. She's gonna hug that, that cold okay. wall for sure. Absolutely. And, and you feed the way that you're supposed to feed too, so you'll really realize it. That's the key too. A lot of these guys, they don't see this because they're not feeding heavy enough. Um, you know, they're 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 feeding willy nilly every 14 days. A little four pound rabbit here or there. When you're getting ready to go into that damn. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were Paul's done. Oh, I thought you were done. Hell yeah. When you get ready to go into that damn be- uh, <laughs> when you get ready to go into that damn breed season, man, you gotta hit them hard that last month, man. Yeah, I only feed on like a seven day schedule typically or whatever, and I only feed like three or four pound meals, even my biggest girls. But man, building up the breed season these last three or four weeks. I don't even know who's eating what Because you're just I'm kinda... just throwing food to everybody right now. If you're at the door looking for it, I'm feeding you until you're not at the door looking for it right now because this is going into that time. Has well, getting ready for breed season always been September? It's, it's usually, like I say, you start my cooling usually now, but right now... It man, feels super it's early. Way early. Okay. I have well, lockups in I don't August. Know, I don't know if you August. do somewhat what I would do with carpets, but what I do is more seasonal, so... 
during the, the late summer when it's going into fall, which is going to be, their breeding is going to be in the winter, I start pounding them with food. And then they're like, they're like, oh my God, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready. Then that fall and they start to go down in temperature. They still eat. But that, I feel like that feeding before is what Oh, it triggers a lot of the response. Absolutely. If you don't bang that girl real hard those first couple months, you know, leading up into that breed season, she's not going to cycle. These snakes, not only are they not dumb, they're really in tune with their body. They're really in tune with, like, fucking what's going on in this world, man. They know when storms are coming. They know all this stuff. And if their body is not in a weight where they're going to be able to produce a hardy clutch, they're not going to cycle. You know, these animals don't just lock up and breed just to lock up and breed. If everything's not right, that's not they, not they know there's no point. Happen. Like exactly. it's not gonna work, so exactly. I'm not gonna yeah. do it. They're they're very in tune with what's happening. You heard it here, you gotta you gotta bang those girls. <laughs> you gotta bang them strong. Oh, when you say bang. bang. <laughs> like when you say bang, I'm like, wait, is he talking about feeding? Like what does he mean when he says bang? I, I gave a girl the other day a fourteen pound duck roughly. Holy you know, shit. we're getting ready to put her in the You season. banged her hard. <laughs> I banged her ass hard. Yeah. Okay. This might be a stupid question, but is there any thought when trying to woo snakes, make them sure. lock up? Is there any, does it matter whether you put the girl in the boy's tub, the boy in the girl's tub? Like, is there thought in that? Is there a thing? For me, it's always boy to girl. I don't want to disrupt the girls are too big. You know, it has to do with how she's receptive. The way I know that female is receptive, this is one of the keys. I see this done like wrong all the time. Everybody tells me, oh, I put my male retic in with my female retic. She threw her stuff all out. It's all on the glass. She's just trying to give it to me. Wait, her. what? They will literally like expose themselves and they're, they're spraying musk and they're smearing stuff all over the glass. Like, and that is a female telling you, not today, sir. I have a headache. What? You're not getting none of this today. I've never I'm spraying seen musk that. everywhere. And, and most people think, like, oh, man, she got a pussy stuck out. She's trying to get some. <laughs> like, I have these guys tell me this stuff all the time, dude. It's ridiculous. Like, And you're like, no, she's really, like, telling him, like, not today. Actually, you need to get this guy the fuck out of here before I eat him. Like, <laughs> but it, it's all okay. the time I, I see this. And really what you're looking for, when you put that male in there, the female should not move an inch. She should not budge. She should just slunk up. Okay. She's going to coil up as tight as she can get. But how does that influence? Oh, he that's that's just open game. He knows what Wait, he's how does they to do. Okay, how do they lock up when she's coiled? <laughs> she's got enough of herself out there where he can he can get in there and okay, get what he needs done. That's interesting cuz sure. when we saw the corn snakes it was like two kind of straight like they went very very straight like Absolutely. both of them. And you know when the lockup happens those tails will intertwine okay. and you will get kind of that same kind of look or whatever. But when you first put that male in there if that female's moving around at all she's, she's trying, nosing, she's trying to get away. She's trying to get away. She's telling him not today, sir. Yeah. And, when they're exposing themselves like that all the time, I hear wow. guys think that, like, you know, oh, yeah, she's ready. Like, that's the total opposite of I what feel So like she's colubrids, the sign. Colubrids are more like, they'll straighten out and be, like, receptive. Right. And they'll kind of dance a little bit. But For sure. But the these the are, day, it's like, yes or no. The male does all the, the courting. The male will do some stimulation and courting. Oh, he yeah. does all the courting, and the female either goes, okay, this can happen, or you need to get the fuck out of here. So that's why you put the male in the females because exactly. she gives you the sign. She's gonna let you know what's happening. If it's happening, yeah. then and, uh, do they he'll have breed giant your spurs, 
Like you, the male um, does have spurs, so you can and see he will like work them. Absolutely, with spurs and stuff. absolutely, man. And, and you know they arch real big too. They'll throw big old heavy arches. Uh, my males every year during the breeding season, you can always tell the best breeder males because their backs get all rubbed raw, what? where they're rubbing against the grate of that little <laughs> vent on the vision cages because they're arching and they're just sexing up them girls. You know, <laughs> them arches are them going, yeah, baby, look how big I am. That's yeah. like a pile driver. In the snake That's him. Even though they're not in like the similar tubs, like they're completely separate. Oh, for right sure. But, like, for you it. don't and think t- snakes realize like the females can't see me right now? Oh yeah, like, they're not in <laughs> here. Sure. I'm in here by myself, but I'm still gonna do all the like. And they will. They'll geez. arch around in that tub. They'll spur their water dish when they're ready. A, a male that's ready, he'll <laughs> do just about anything, man. That's true across sure. genus across whatever, species, man. Whatever. Yep, I'll pregnate this water dish, yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> for sure I know I've got a, a good couple they're probably going to watch this at some point Pootie Tang's family out there oh uh, Chris and, and y'all man they had a mail that they got from me Pootie Tang Pootie Tang is a super good boy I produced him a couple years ago man and he went to he went to this couple and they took real good care of him and after like a year she gets him out one day and she goes man he tried to eat me alive well he's hit this sexual maturity part of his life okay. and they're breeding bur- uh, ball pythons in this room she's probably got a hundred ball pythons Damn. in there and they're having all these ball python breedings going on females are cycling so he smells it's love is in the air you know? right he's There's like pheromones. I'm right okay y'all are doing right. it I'm gonna he's do it too I'm three right. years old I'm ready to do this man yeah. and so she pulls him out this day and she starts to pet him and he starts arching mm. and she starts petting him some more next got- thing you know he's the devil and I had to tell her I was like man you know what what you did was you were another male in competition petting this guy Whoa. as he's arching. He's so like, now I have to get rid of you. I have to get rid of you. Exactly. Male on male aggression and retics your breed season it's is serious. a real thing. Uh, if they're arching and throwing those big coils around and stuff, you really you want to stay underneath of them. You want to introduce them to the female as easy as you can, but you don't want to instigate anything because they can turn out and lash on you for sure. I've never had a one-on-one male breed season aggression instance, but I've heard a million of them for sure wow um similar in the same area someone asked you what your is your opinion on super doors oh man i knew this would come up so (laughs) i don't do any sds i don't do any dwarfs i don't do any of that stuff if you're gonna buy them and you're wanting a small retic make sure you buy pures and expect the attitude to be different you know i work with all these big mainlands that have been long-term breeding projects most of my lines come from bob clark who's been doing this stuff since like the late 60s early 70s uh other long-term breeding projects that i've already spent seven eight years into that came from somebody else that already spent 10 years on it those animals it's no different than like a fox turning into a dog nine generations you're looking at a pretty well domesticated animal you know <laughs> those super dwarf retics they didn't come in the country till like 2007 2008 wait it's only been like 10 years they haven't been here that oh long. shit where they come a, from by the way uh, you know, really all of Indonesia, There's you're a super lot of north, islands, right? and that's where your SDs come from. They're your island chain okay. stuff and locality range stuff off the island, you know, off your mainland Indonesia. And, and because they're island locality, they have smaller uh, options for prey, and smaller items that they're eating less frequently, and that's what's really making these animals, you know, yeah, that's sorry. evolve. Um, our, our dear friend Evan just commented on Facebook and said he's on the way to the ER right now. Oh, I'm no. not quite sure if that's How did a serious. Accident? Also, <laughs> like, if I'm on the way to the ER, I'm not going to get on the Facebook live <laughs> to tell you what that you I'm on the way. I thought y'all should know. Like, yeah, breaking news. He's on. 
I don't know if I should bring this up on the podcast, but that's what he just said on Facebook. He said it's fucked his shit up. Uh, um, that's not good. Not sure, but that's not good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. This podcast is dedicated to, <laughs> to the Evan that once to, was. To Ice Cube yeah. or Ice Cube. We'll miss you. He's all, I'm not sure what's going on with him. Okay. You'll be missed. I'm sorry. But I feel like <laughs> we, we get a lot of those percentages. I always hear those percentages. It's back to the SD stuff, man. So, like, okay, they've only been here since, like, 2006, 2007, maybe at the earliest. 2008 is really when you kind of started seeing them around. And and a female takes five to seven years to sexually mature. They're not even like these retics that everybody says is three years, but none of them breed until they're four and a half, five for me either. But uh, these these. Super dwarfs, they really, they've got to be older animals to get the sexual maturity where they'll even lay eggs. So we're only looking like second generation from wild caught. If you've got third gen, that's somebody like Rodney Bullich or whatever. Like that guy's got some crazy ass locality stuff. He's been doing it a little longer than everybody else. He's probably got some three and four generation stuff. But most people, it's first generation wild caught. And that's like, you might as well go wild catch a fucking king snake out your yard and grow it up to seven foot. And it's, you know, they're crazy. Yeah, I don't think people know that because I have an F1, even a corn snake. Oh, and yeah. And they're both very skittish, very dickish, totally very different animals, man. Totally different animals. And imagine a retake. It's obviously a less, so more food aggressive. If maybe you would ask me in 2008 when I was working at Animal Medical Center McKinney for, uh, fuck, Dr. Subfuckhole. But uh, anyway, yeah, he's an asshole. I don't even want to mention his name. But anyway, I was working with this guy, and we were breeding retics on site. We were some of the first lavenders that were outside of Bob and these other guys. You know, we were selling $1,500 lavender albino retics back when, you know, it's forever ago. Uh, You know, it's $300 snake now. But when I was up there, I used to always ask him, I was like, man, who wants these things? This is like 2008. They were evil. We had a trio in the back. They were het purples and het whites. We were making these lavenders, and literally it would take three of us. One would open the door. One would sit on top of the cage and head grab the snake as it came out. And then the doc would get the main part of the body. And that's what we had to go through every day just to, like, like if you wanted to clean the shit out of it. Is that even worth it? Like, is that worth it? It was insane. It was not right. And some of those first babies, I remember there was one lavender male that I kind of raised up in-house. And he would still bite me regularly. Like, once a week, he would still get his, like, fill of me. And he would, like, light me up or whatever. But he was, like, the first retic I ever worked around. They're like, I can handle him some days. You know, oh, like yeah, six out cool, of seven. You know? That's okay. <laughs> I didn't know anything about tap training then. This guy I worked for, he was just breeding strictly for profit. You know, he thought he was going to get rich and be the next Bob Clark because Bob Clark sold him some dream, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he thought he was going to be the next big deal. And after like two years of getting lit the fuck up and not being able to sell his stuff and wholesaling it all back to Bob for next to nothing, he was done. He, he gave them all off to mm. a good friend of mine now, the guy that I'm doing my Mexican beaded project wizard. The Mexican Bee Lizard Project. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's Small World. Oh, Max Peterson over there. But, like, yeah, it's come a long way since, like, 2008 when I used to tell people all the time, I don't know why anybody would want to work with a retic. And now my retics in my house, they're way more well-behaved than my berms. They're more well-behaved than anything else I've ever owned. They're intelligent. They pick up this tap training stuff really quickly. They just, like, they know what's going to happen, and they fall in the line, man. I've never worked with a species of snake that truly, like, observes me back the same way I observe it, and they fall in the routine with me. We're, we're like, working together. Everything else, it's like, I'm working and you're working against me. These uh-huh. retics, we're a team, man. Like, that we're on 
the same page all the way through. I just wrote the other day this big long post about how like you know this is the first year I really feel like I'm in tune with my animals. I know when they're gonna breed. I know when they're gonna do what they're gonna do because I've spent the ten thousand hours observing them. That's all there is to it, man. Mm-hmm. If you spend that time with any species, with anything you're gonna that you're learn doing, it. you're gonna fucking learn it. You're gonna learn how to read these animals differently than your average person for sure. So we've talked about before, and I'm interested in your opinion. Like we talked about. Do you think humans can actually make a snake more docile? Like, uh, you know, and so the the way you absolutely. talk about your snakes, I feel like you know you see the effect you have on your. So do you think we can make a snake more docile? These animals want nothing more than a strict routine. They're no different than your children at home. They just want every day to be the same, the weeks to mimic each other, the months to mimic each other. And if you get it to where everything rolls, it you don't have to have my routine. You can have anybody's routine, okay. but a strict routine where everything is the same. They know what's coming. They're going to fall into line, and they're gotcha. going to pick it up, especially an intelligent species like these reticulated pythons. And I have to say, just in my own observation in 15 years of working with the species or whatever it is, I've seen that they genetically are, are passing on this disposition. Really? You know? it, it to the babies? To, okay. Absolutely. It, it's generation to generation we get animals that are more laid back. And I even notice at my house, if I pair like my white motley platinum, who's one of the most laid back animals I have in my whole collection, mm-hmm. when I pair him to this platinum that I've had that I've raised from a hatchling as well, they're both some of the most laid back, mild-mannered uh-huh. animals I have. Every year, three years running now, those animals, they act like ball pythons, man. I reach them with cubs, they curl up, you know, you scoop them out, you do whatever you want with them. If you breed animals that that have been worked with for long-term, long-generation projects, and you're picking out the stuff that has the better dispositions to breed back to it, you're going to make animals with better dispositions. It's just inevitable. It's just possible. It's all evolution is all it is. If you don't believe in evolution, I don't know what to say. (laughs) But, like, that's all this is. Nine generations, we've turned a dog, you know, a fox into a dog. It's no different with these retics. It's no different with anything. You put ten generations into captive breeding, you've domesticated that animal to an extent it is it a you know but think about like scrubs well, yeah, Would you think there's t- are there ten generations of scrubs? I don't think anybody's captive. Yeah, but no one's bred them out. What I'm uh, saying is that you may not be able to tame down a specific animal, yeah. but maybe you can breed it to be more tame. I guarantee you, okay. if you took a pair of scrubs, you bred them, you bred their babies, and you started specifically picking out the better mannered animals. You can make it happen. Ten generations, you will make. There's been no really F ones. So why is no one bred? Yeah, why is okay hard to breed, cheaper kind of no animals too. Fuck. You can still <laughs> import them, right? Well, I'm breedable. I can import them. I can get one for two hundred dollars, right? Exactly. Okay. That that's definitely a part of it. And it's a shame. I see that with a lot of stuff too, where it's like. Well, why do I have to breed it when I can get them for twenty five dollars? But they're just right. gonna continuously be marked as like yeah, I'm, difficult I'm bullshit throw, right? Animal. Because you can get the We're if you going don't all the way back to where we started. Passion. Somebody's gonna come along. That's gonna be passionate about those animals, about those white lips, about those, and they're gonna make a fucking project out of it. Somebody's gonna never take never have one. Every single picture, I'm just like, I want one. I want one. Somebody's gonna eventually do the scrubs right. Gonna do those pythons right. It's just gonna take somebody that's really passionate about those specific animals and and it's gonna do it right. I feel like you know you have an animal with more requirements. Maybe you have to be more centralized in your collection. You can't have. 
all different types of things that we all like to have. Maybe you gotta just focus on. That was the hardest part for me getting into this retic stuff, dude. I used to have everything. I ran a reptile rescue for ten years. I was a vet tech for ten years. Like I did a whole lot before I started breeding reptiles. I made music and all sorts of fucking shit before I got into this. Like this was gonna be a career for me, you know what I mean? And it was really difficult in like two thousand ten when I was like, All right, berms and retics, this is the market I want. These are the animals I'm really into that I wanna focus on. I have to make projects out of this stuff it was hard as fuck to like get rid of my iguanas if i hadn't and if i hadn't focused on those projects i wouldn't be here today i wouldn't be paying my bills on retake money you know so i think we talked about this a little bit earlier but is that what you would advise to new people who are wanting to get in a breeding game should they choose early like you have the experience of kind of having multiple things and then finding your one but do you think it do you think people should choose that one early or get experience of a lot and then choose that one? It depends, man. I don't think you're going to be successful until you focus on something, though. Whatever it is. I don't care if it's shoes, t-shirts, whatever the hell it is. Until you focus on something specifically and you put that time into it, you're never going to be successful at anything. It's going to be really hard if you're starting out with like 30 species that all need their own individual things and they all breed differently and they all have like their own little quirks. It's really hard. You know, it took me seven, eight years now just to kind of feel like I'm finally comfortable. This year, I'm finally like, I know these fucking retailers. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like seven, eight years. And even then, I'm learning then, something new. Then there'll new. be that one animal oh, that yeah. fucks your world up. I'm still like, learning something new every day. Yeah. And every time I think I got them all figured out, you know, I, like I'm saying, like, oh, they coil, they hug the cold side, they always do this. I had a girl last year that never coiled. She roamed the fucking cage for a month while she blowed and fucking developed follicles. I just had to watch her fucking close. I locked her up one fucking time. She made a crazy fucking clutch. I, sometimes they break the rules, man. That snake ate mm-hmm. until she laid. There's she, no 100%. There is not 100%. Anybody tells you this is the way it is and this is the only way to do it, that's one of the biggest wrongs I see in this hobby, man. If you're not watching these animals and learning from these animals every day and you think you already know it all, like you're fucking right. doing them a There's big injustice. Only... You're doing yourself an right. injustice. And I think people who are big in the big business need to acknowledge that more often. Absolutely. Like, there's only so much we, I say we, I'm not we, I don't know shit, yeah. y'all, there's only so much y'all can say, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, your snake is your is snake, your snake and no matter how much out. I tell you, yep. yours is going to be different from mine, well, mine are all, you know what I mean, and like, in a different part of the country, shit. right, like, we were talking about cooling and all that, and yep. the temperature, if that's I different, in Washington, yeah, it's if all I different, in Washington, it would probably be a totally different right. story, dude, right. and sure. so that's the one thing to remember, like, yes all the big breeders are out there to tell you what to do like to help you but at the end of the day you have to have something absolutely, and absolutely. You just, that's about having a smaller collection first i feel like and getting that that attention to all the details that are yep. happening and then slowly building and then you're like oh i've seen this shit before absolutely and then it's easy to apply to more animals if you all, all of a sudden have a giant collection you don't catch those little you details. don't see those little details and observation is 100% what we do like everything else is secondary if you're not watching those animals and focusing on them and like seeing like year to year like they, they go through the How same they pattern they go through this pattern it's the same every fucking year man you can set your clock by I got a girl she's gonna ovulate October 13th this year she October, she ovulated October 13th last year she <laughs> ovulated October 13th year before that you know like there are some of these animals that you can literally set your 
clock to it, man. Uh, you just got to be observant enough to take it, take it all in. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, Green Ball Pythons, kind of helped me out doing some stuff now. And she just keeps asking me all these questions like, oh, do I do this? Do I cool? Do I, you know, when she's bowl wrapping, is she ready? And she's asking me all these questions and I'm saying like, yes, yes, yes. You know, this is what you do. But at the end of the day... There's Don't always that. Me liable. Yeah, exactly. Because these animals are gonna do what they need to do. You know what I mean? Like if everything's not just right, they're not gonna cycle. If if their body's not just right, they're not gonna fucking cycle. You can do everything right, and this animal may not still do what you're wanting it to do. It's not a guarantee. This is not a perfect science. This is not exact by any means at all. Uh, you, you just gotta learn and, and evolve with it. Figure out what works for you. Um, speaking of ball pythons, just a little aside, someone asked on Instagram, what is the best advice, since both of you have bred ball pythons, you would give to someone getting into breeding ball pythons? Once again, breed what you like. The biggest problem, we were talking about this earlier with ball pythons, I see is like, like here locally, I got probably five guys that are at every single ball python show. They all do balls. They all do the same stuff. They all have the exact same projects on every table. And every show is 95 five percent ball python yeah so you all have the same animal at least like expand your projects out of the right. realm like don't all be chasing that same whatever that i don't do ball banana banana cream sickle right right you're like you know ghi mojave looks really cool so you breed a bunch of those but why don't you step back and say what if i breed it to something else there are like, two thousand ten million own. fucking ball python genes out there that you could play with I just don't understand why everybody stepping on everybody's toes. You know, everybody wants to make the same project. Immediately, and, someone sees something they like, then they yep. make a thousand of them because everyone else jumps there. You got to create your own lane. You got, I think. All these vendors are pissed at each other at these shows because one guy sells the same steak that they got on their table. Make some different shit, man. Otherwise, it's just whoever's got the cheapest thing out there is what's gonna sell. You know, if you've all got these banana pies on your table, obviously the one that's selling for twelve hundred is gonna sell before the one for fucking two k. It's the mm -hmm. same goddamn steak, you know. And I feel like that's a lot of why I chose retics because I don't have that problem, man. Uh, I, I work on my own projects. It's not all the most craziest, wildest stuff that's out there, but there's really nobody working on the shit that I'm working on. Like, you want a nice, clean Motley Platinum? There are 100 people that are going to send you my way. You want a nice, clean Ultra Ivory? There's 100 people that are going to go, yeah, that, that's the guy you need to go talk to for that, man. And it's because those were the genes that I liked and I focused on and I perfected them and I've got them to where they look really fucking good now, man. And I don't think that's any different with ball pythons. You know, if you're making pastels and you're picking out the best oranges, brightest pastels, and your super pastels blow everybody else's away, they should be worth more money, man. You can sell them for whatever you want, fifty bucks. Exactly. If they're that good. If they're that good, man. So it's all about just being passionate about your projects, seeing your projects all the way through. Don't cash out fucking everybody in the ball python world as you do it, but in other worlds too. The retic world is real bad too. Fucking people go, oh, I'm gonna raise these animals up. I'm ahead of the game, and they see somebody makes one, and they go, oh, fuck that. I'm gonna go chase the next new dream. You know, like. You gotta see those projects. And through. I mean, you see those successful people in that. There's Ozzy who just breeds Orange Dreams. Sure. Orange Dreams pretty much exclusively and just makes that better and better. Yep. And there's Justin Kabelka who only works with recessive genes because that's obviously what's harder to make. That's what you and have to do. They have their own lane, just yep. like you have your own lane. You have to focus on a project and see it all the way through, man. You gotta make your own lane. And a lot of what I do too, too, aside from in my own lane, I also live in the wake a little bit. 
I watched these guys that make that one hot $5,000 animal, and then three years later, when nobody else made it because it didn't fucking sell for $7,500 or whatever the hell, I make 30 of them, and I sell them for $1,500, and I make it more available to the regular public. Or I take that animal that was $3,500 three years ago that everybody forgot about, and I sell them for fucking $750 because I made 30 of them, and everybody forgot about it because they're busy chasing the next new thing. I, I do a lot of that living in the wake where it's like somebody made something real hot, I wait a couple years, ain't nobody else making it, I put it back out at a price that people can afford, and, and that's definitely a better way to try to make some fucking money than it is chasing that fucking dream of, oh, I'm going to sell a $100,000 steak, you know. And that here. makes so much sense because I talk about that with the Palmetto because now it's $1,500, but it's all fine and good if I reproduce them, I can sell them for $1,500, but the thing I'm worried about I'm thinking about is that when they're $500, sure. so many more people are going to buy them because they're so amazing. They're that good that when that price gets down to that pet level, maybe yep. $500, maybe below that. You say pet level is $500? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Collecting. So it's like if okay. you have a retake that's $5,000, one person's willing to buy that. Right. If you produce the same thing and it's you know, at the point where it's maybe five hundred dollars. Everybody loved that five K animal. They just couldn't jump on the bulk, man. But you once know? it gets down there, then yep. the market opens up oh, it to really so many does, different man. people. It really does, man. I drew a lot of that. Like, really, my my living is earned on that. That living in the wake, man. I take that stuff that you know prehistoric pets made twice, and they sold it for seventy five hundred dollars, and it sat on a shelf forever. And you know, three years later, I make it, and I sell it for fucking twelve hundred dollars, and I sell the piss out of them. So. It, there's definitely something to be Wait said Wait till the public that. can get it. For sure. <laughs> Not just the exactly. elite. There's only as many weird people like us that are actively <laughs> breeding and stuff. There are 9 million people out there tell you they breed retics. There's probably like less than 100 of us that are actively really producing these animals in the United States. And I would say there's probably less than 25 of those that are like producing more than a clutch or two a year. Okay. And all the rest really... are like fly-by-nighters. Exactly. They get, into it, get out really Exactly. Quick. They make a clutch Once or two. Happens, it doesn't sell as fast that. as they think it would so they wholesale it all yeah. off and you know they're on to the next video now they turn out you have to market your snakes oh, yeah. you can't just produce them for <laughs> sure for sure 90% of my sales they're buying Ryan Sullivan snakes they don't give a fuck what it looks like it's cause it's I've, yours you I've made a name for yourself they yeah. buy so. a few than off of Craigslist exactly and all fucking dirt who doesn't know now do you post on Craigslist I don't do any Craigslist posts really I do just pretty much Facebook sales and show sales that's really Damn, all I okay. do I don't we do need any... to get Ryan on Instagram <laughs> The best snakes, the best pictures, but it's like I just Instagram don't do all this. But what about the Ashlyn girl who does your all this stuff? Why can't she do yeah, Instagram? I, I guess she could. I don't know. <laughs> I just it's, Facebook is I'm already getting you followers. I yeah, <laughs> for sure. Facebook is just already so much for me to keep. I'm old. I'm like in my thirties, dude. Like, <laughs> oh, cause that's <laughs> old. Yeah, yeah, get the fuck oh, out of here. That's old. not old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be there way sooner than I want to be, so don't say you're old. This whole social media thing is way too 30s are not old. Yeah, I spend all day just on here on Facebook just like answering questions like, what do I feed my steak every seven days? It takes up my whole fucking life. I understand that. Exactly, dude. You know, and I don't mind helping people and I don't mind coaching people through whatever. But it takes over. It takes your whole life away from you sometimes. Sometimes, like, I'm trying to clean a cage. And literally my phone will beep like 40 fucking times. I can't even get this one piece of glass fucking clean. It's crazy some days, man. And, and you know, like I say, you know, if 
Ronnie Blasio or Patrick Starr or one of these guys that's like a good customer of mine hits me up and is like, hey, it's two in the morning and I got a snake question. It is what it is. You support me. You know what I mean? I support you back. Fucking these people a lot of times though, like, never I, buy from you you're not even my friend on Facebook. You like saw me in a thread someplace and you want to send me a whole bunch of questions and like get okay. all my secrets to life. Like, <laughs> and, like it's crazy to be that. Like, and, and there are no secrets though. It's all out there. It's like, all you, you out there, man. Research. It's you could go out. Google all this shit. I learned almost everything I know from fucking Tom Regan and reading old Reptiles magazines. Fucking, you know. So message Tom Regan. Yeah, there you go. Go message Tom <laughs> Regan. You'll love that. Oh, yeah. Fucking, you know, you, you find somebody good that you can ask legit questions to. That's cool. But, like, you still need to do your own research. Like, because that guy's going to quit talking to you yeah. if you keep asking him fucking bullshit over yeah. and over again, man. You know, and like I say, if you're supporting me back, I don't have no problem supporting you. But when you just want all my secrets to my trade that I've spent, like, my whole damn life time like I can't developing i can't hardly break that off man and half know? of it is like you know like it i can't write it in a paragraph to, yeah you i can't, can't write that write in a paragraph right also like, there's, there's some people absolutely i mean i'm very new to this but even the questions he's gotten sometimes i'm like okay by your question you clearly do not know what the fuck you're You've talking no about. So I'm like, do I even want to tell you? Yeah. Like, I, I just want to tell you to return the ant. I'm like, I don't even want to answer your question because it scares me that you you keep an ant. And I will say, I refuse more sales than I make. Ten to one every really? day. I'm turning down sales. Really? Well, you're just you kind of you're not comfortable with you it. Absolutely have to with retics. Damn. Yeah, I can't let these animals get out to some place where they're not going to do right. And I care about the animals I produce. I want them to thrive. If I produce an animal and it's healthy and it's thriving when I live when it leaves my house I want to make sure it goes to a one person owner I hate this like everybody flipping everything for everything on Facebook now and trading up for the next new thing and yeah. it's like it's the cool thing to do is like ah oh, I just trade it up or whatever mm -hmm. like you buy an animal it's your responsibility I go buy a plant it's my fucking responsibility <laughs> I want you're not going to flip the plant dies. like that's not a snake even like these animals like I'm probably the only retail guy you're ever going to talk to that keeps his males all my breeder males from 2010 are still at my house right really? now. Really? Everything I started this fucking project with, I still have. And I might not ever breed them again. My white molly platinum this is probably about the last year that he's like still like viable as in like genetically he's not going to make anything new. I've already made crazy shit the from him. The that you're going to get. He's probably going to retire here pretty soon. I'm not going to go sell that guy off for just because he can't breed. Gonna... He can't breed. And every other breeder you talk to is just it's like, going to do that. They, they bred him one season or two seasons. He's genetically been surpassed by his son. So they're going to go get rid of him because these animals are just, you know, they're, they're, they're trading cards. They're but not there trading is, cards. I mean, there is a certain point. If you're doing it for a living, you have to be conscious of the one space, plus two, you know, you're Space becomes but... a part, you know, for yeah. me, I'm at this point in my life where like, I bought a lot of older animals to get me started. I bought a lot of big breeder females when I first got into this stuff to kind of like make money so I could get my ball rolling. For me, when all of my six-foot cages I have now have animals that I produce that have replaced their parents. So, you know, their parents are going to die over time. It's just inevitable. 10, 20 years go by, your fucking stuff starts to fade out. As those animals fade out and they're being replaced by their children, eventually I'm just never going to hold anything back again. Like, you can only work so far. I've got, you know, I'm fucking fat and eat bacon every day. I'm going to live till I'm 60. <laughs> I've got 30 good years at this, you know what I'm saying? i got 27 years left of, like, breeding. There's only so much I can do. Once I've filled those cages with, like, everything in this room I produced, I, I don't have a reason to hold back anything. I'm done buying snakes. I haven't bought a snake in you fucking think forever. You haven't bought a snake in forever? forever. Really? Got, like, There's nothing that's like, ooh, that's new. I want that. I want that. It's really not. 
Wow. There's really okay. Not. I know it sounds crazy, but there's like I'm surprised that. Miles. Okay, you know what? Actually, I'm thankful because yeah. that means he will get to that point yeah. one day. Like, if you're at that, that means he'll be, he'll get For to that sure. point. I'm and waiting. Have retakes though. You can have. A thousand colubrids where you sure. can have a hundred retakes. A hundred pity okay. retakes for sure. Okay. Yeah. I gotta step out for two seconds. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Go for it. Um, well, he asked Ryan this, but I feel like you could answer this too. Yeah. If you could choose one more from a ball python you want to put on a retake, what would you put? Um, although I don't know enough about retakes and ball pythons, I feel that retakes have so many colors and pattern morphs. So do balls. Comparable to ball pythons. Oh, comparable. Okay. So, um, I think, like, the purples and yellows are more prevalent and better in... In retics. I agree. So, like, and they get older. Even the natural animal has that gray and, like... Has that undertone. Mm-hmm. yellow look. Mm-hmm. It still is such an attractive animal, a bright animal. I feel like there's better genetics in retics. So, there's not something you want to... From a ball python, you want to put on a retic? in a ball python. If I could have a straight pie, like how pie it is in ball pythons, that would be super cool, but... I think in retakes, Ryan would obviously know a lot more, but... Is, that, there's no pie in retakes right now? There's cow, which is kind of like that. Maybe halfway in between, like, the pixelatedness of the palmetto and the pie okay. of the ball python. The ball python, the pie is, like, smudged out, and, like, all the pattern's elongated. Okay. And I don't know how to explain it, but on, like, the cow retake, I think it's more defined, and it doesn't smudge out the pattern as much. I don't know. I don't know about <laughs> retakes, but... I think that they're just as cool genetic, just as much shit to do with retics as there's ball pythons. Yeah. Maybe that that's probably all Python Pete or Pythons in general. What am I Pyth- talking Who about? is Python, Python Pete? Oh, I thought you said Python Pete. Python Pete. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Goddamn. Gotcha. Okay. Maybe let's, yeah. Slow down on the beers. Slow down on the beers just a little bit. <laughs> um, Ryan oh, can barely open the door. Well, it's because so. Dixie, <laughs> Dixie was in the bathroom. Dixie was she was keeping me company. <laughs> she was keeping me company. Hey, Dixie, say hi. Okay, so Ryan, you can't Yo. answer this question now. Sorry to like yeah, no, get you right back into it. Um, Actual Gaming asked if, Ryan, could you choose one morph from a ball python to put on a retic? What would it be? Oh, Christ, man. I don't know enough about ball pythons <laughs> to really accurately answer that. Uh, people all the time come to me and try to compare stuff like, you know, they go, oh, what's a sunfire? Well, they're kind of orange. Oh, it's looks like a pastel. <laughs> I don't fucking know, man, honestly. It, they're uh, their own things. They kind of are their own things. And a lot of those genes do kind of over, like, I can see where right. somebody would say, like, a, a sunfire is similar to a pastel. It's all hypomelanistic, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. all an exaggeration of the, the same thing. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I like, <laughs> I like contrasting colors. I like, uh... You know, I like to see like black touch, orange touch, red touch, yellow. So yeah, you know, like like a, like a, a freeway retic would probably look cool yeah. or something like that, man. But I don't know enough about those genes to really throw anything around. That's what I'm saying. Retics have so many patterns and color. The colors are lot, better on retics. There's a lot half. You know, that ball python. This is one thing I will say. The day, yeah, put my crotch here. <laughs> the, the day they're hatched out is the best they're ever gonna look in that egg coat. You know what I mean? They're as pretty as they're ever gonna yeah. be. That retic, the day it hatches, is the ugliest he's ever going to get. <laughs> he's just going to get better every single shed. The, when it's nine, ten foot long, every shed, it's just like more vibrant. Those colors are bolder. The, mm. the pattern is bolder. They really get better with age, man. And they go through these, like, I don't know if they're hormonal even or what they are, but they go through these, like, color changes even throughout, like, the month. You'll notice before shed cycle, they'll really... Uh, 
dull down or whatever. But then right after a shed, they'll blow way out. Right after a meal, they'll get real vibrant. They call it firing up. You'll feed a big female a meal sometimes. You'll come in, and it's not even the same snake anymore. Her mm-hmm. golds are brighter. Her silvers are brighter. Her whole pattern seems bolder. And, and I don't know. It's just something about the way they're, they're rushing the, the blood to those vessels and making themselves color up that way. Uh, I feel unique. I feel the same way about my jungle. So like I opened it up today, I'm like, eh, he doesn't look that good today. Sure. But like a random day, will be like, holy fuck. Right. And another day, will be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Absolutely. They're shedding. They're they just shed. They can look all different at all times, but I feel like retics in general look good all the time in comparison to a lot of the other snakes. Absolutely. As far as those mochinos, you know, your oranges, your purples. Your, yep. You don't see a lot of purple and orange snakes out there yeah. across the board, you know, and you get a lot of that in retics. We were doing this photo shoot with this photographer who didn't know anything about snakes or retics at all, and she's like, can we get something out that's, like, not purple and orange? <laughs> I was like, well, we're kind of fucking with retics. But everyone else, though. That's funny. Yeah. Everyone, I feel like we talked <laughs> yeah. about that one day. We were like, are there any purple snakes? Are there any blue Once snakes? Once you see a thousand like, purple snakes, you're like, I don't yeah, know. Well, if yeah, you see one, you're like, holy, holy fuck, fuck right. like, <laughs> It's purple. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I think we get super jaded with some of the mutations because I say, hey, if a speckled a speckled king snake looks kind of like a diamond python, why don't people give a fuck about right. a speckled king snake? They're forty dollars, and diamond pythons are a thousand dollars. Well, just random things happen where you favor a python species because it's a little exotic, and sure. the, you know, Native American. Native North American species are less yep. exotic and more commonly seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you get used to that kind of shit. No, getting jaded on, on the hobby in general, it's a hard thing not to do at some point. You know what I mean? A little bit. You know, there's always going to be, like, you just see so much. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I have it all the time, even, you know, with uh, talking about, you know, customers and questions and stuff like that you always gotta step back sometimes and realize you know like this is what i do for a living this is what i'm here for to answer these questions you know (laughs) right yeah yeah. i mean you have to because at the end of the day you know who knows if that's a customer and then sometimes a customer turns into a person who buys from you a patrick star who buys from you consistently i mean most of my better customers i would have never guessed out the gate you know what i mean you got to get to know everybody you got to offer offer your your knowledge to everybody because you really don't know who's going to be that good sailor, who's going to turn into, into a, a real customer. It's so hard to know where to draw that line. It's on. difficult. It's very difficult, man, because you know you don't want to spend the same time wasting it on people that you know aren't going to be clients when you know you've got real customers out there that have real questions, too. You know, you, right. It, and, you know, uh, people think I got it easy. I just, ah, oh, I clean snakes and breathe snakes all day. It's a solid eight, ten hours a day, almost every single day, just feeding and cleaning animals in my house. Uh, to do that and then also be on Facebook for fucking 24 hours a day answering everybody's It's a full life. I don't sleep yeah. no more. I got to turn my phone off at like 2 in the morning. Y'all just blow me up all night. Like It's kind of crazy. But that's why people get weeded out. And oh, yeah. The people who are not willing to do that for... If I didn't sense. answer those questions, I wouldn't be having yeah. the success that I have. For sure. So you definitely you got to take it all with a with a grain of salt the way it's done. For sure. Um. Oh, sorry. No, no. no. Okay. So your big retick man right now, but big retick man. Big retick. I'm a little retick man actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm only like five foot uh, four. <laughs> you're the, oh, it's not gonna work with the computer there. Um, sorry, but yeah. right now you're also trying to be Texas Rat Man. You know. So I want to start like trying to. 
changing subjects. Texas rap man sounds get, so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, what, are you, what are you calling me? Uh, I don't even uh, know. We're getting ready to upset some people too, I'm sure. You rat know, king just, man. Yeah. I just want to um, switch subjects a little bit and talk about like how you, like what got you interested in that, why you wanted it, what are the starting, like what's the... I don't want to do it, but it's just yeah, you got to be at this point, man, you know? My whole life, I've been in every aspect of this world. I've worked pet stores. I started the DFW Reptarium with David Spicer and those really. I, I've been all over. Oh the damn shit! Place. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was let's, a nice job. Let's not even talk about those cocksuckers. But uh, you know, I've been around literally every aspect of that. I worked pet codes and vet tech. You know, like we bred stuff backstage at a, at a vet clinic for years. I've done it all, man. And uh, you know. With the rats, I never really wanted to do it for myself just because I know how much work is involved. It is a lot of work. It's a shit. It's a lot it's of just scrubbing tubs. Difficult process. For sure. And it, it's no fun at all. But, you know, I'm at a point right now where I'm spending $250, $350 a week, a week on rats. Uh, we are, we're insane. there now. Yeah. Well, we're not there. We're like at for 100 sure. right now. I'm like... What's yeah. the point? Like, I'm we like, might as oh, well just do it ourselves. Just buy a fucking building to put rats in. It's right. a and job. with that plus shipping, like, yep. thankfully we have big cheese so we can go to Fort Worth. But, now but big like, cheese is all fucked off. Half the time it's out. They're out. Right. Half the time All these other out. people are just trying to rape everybody now. They're like, oh, you can't get from big cheese or we're going to sell you a seven dollar lard. But then you know, all like, fucking people are balling off of rat money, and I'm like, fuck, maybe I should. Just like rat. why not? Sure. Then we can, There's especially with our there. picky feeders. We don't. I mean, yep. we don't do ball python, so we don't have as much sure. as picky feeders. But some of our corn snakes are picky, Absolutely. and it's like, okay, do we go buy a seven dollar anole from PetSmart? Right. Do we wait till Big Cheese is back in stock? Like, we wish we could just have the shit to do it ourselves. Absolutely. At that, you get to a point, you're like. I just want to do it myself. It was inevitable for me. I had to do it finally. People keep jacking their prices up. I'll be disappointed. I mean, like I say, I'm consistent. My order's the same every week. But all of a sudden, the price started going up, going up. I finally had to just get to my breaking point, you know, where like, all right, well, then I guess I'm going to come out here and I'm going to, like, show you all how to, how to do this because $7 <laughs> large rats isn't going to cut Yeah, because I got even to the point where I was like, Big Cheese doesn't have medium rats. Right. I don't – maybe my jungle carpet doesn't produce, doesn't get the size because I don't have medium rats. Sure. Oh, maybe I'll pull it on the trigger. So it could – it could fuck up your production. The so whole at that season. Point, you want to know that you're able to produce and produce Absolutely. the animals to feed the animals. Absolutely, <laughs> man. Like you say, you know, you're spending two, three hundred dollars a week on rats. Like you could probably realistically grow that stuff out for you know a couple ten dollar bags of food. I'm buying this kid's food for like fifteen dollars a bag. You know, it's just the same stuff as your Missouri diet. I got my guys on hay at the house, coastal hay, which is dirt fucking cheap too. There's ways to do this to make it cost efficient to where you don't have to rape everybody too when you're making your sales man for sure i i have a ton of flack right now because i just kind of got this thing up and rolling again you know i build the shop i'm getting my prices out and as soon as i release my prices people that aren't even in my state are like oh Ready you can't get on posts. it you can't put prices like that you're oh, fucking crazy wow. you're cutting yourself short and they're just telling everybody wants to tell me like you know where to buy my food and how to cut cost on this and how to run my own business man yeah I, i'm fucking 32 year old man i've done more in the last five years of these fucking retics than pretty much everybody that taught me how to do what the fuck I'm doing right now. I don't know. I, at a certain point, it, it kind of gets a little bit insulting when everybody's like, <laughs> oh, you know, you're going to... You're gonna be, yeah, you're not gonna make no money if they're selling at that price. Well, it's funny because like I fought rats for like four years off Kenny Allen at those prices, and he did really well for himself till he like yeah. went through trouble. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can do this, and you can be right by people, and you don't have to rape everybody, and you can still make a dime too. I think know? there's a lot.
lot more people trying to tell you how it's hard to do whatever Always. in the state business, all this shit. But oh. it's like, you just got to do it for yourself. See what happens. If you fucking fill it out for three or four years, you're going to find your comfort like, zone. Like, Crick, you're if you're on. making it, then I can too, you fucking dickhead. Get the fuck out of here. For you sure. think you're better than me. Oh, in 2000. You think, you think you're better than me? Well, that was very New York of you. Yeah. You're fucking better than me. Let's just bring <laughs> out the, the New York in the you. In 2008 to 2010, people used to always tell me, like, there's no money in these reptiles, you know? Uh, there's no well, way to fucking make it, always. you know? You're, you're just doing it. You don't even know why you'd want to get into this stuff, you know? And, and that was never my dream. My dream was never to like make a living selling reptiles. I just did this shit because I liked it and it kind of kept rolling and rolling until eventually I was like, well, fuck. Like you just said, you're making a living at it. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. What the hell's the difference? I put the time in and I think that's the real key. If you're buying snakes right now thinking about I'm going to breed next year and I'm going to make all this money, you're fucking wrong. Just fucking commit to it, whatever happens. Commit to whatever year, it is. After. Three, four, five years. You need to be buying these animals because you enjoy these animals and you enjoy being around them. You enjoy doing right by them. And that will develop into what you want it to. If you're just buying them because they're dollar signs and they're numbers and you're trying to chase some dream, you're never going to be fucking Because successful. what you realize is that five years down the down the line, you're like, if I just dream kept changes. that animal, oh, yeah. then like maybe I would have been better off. But I fucking went for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And then yep. you I, don't have that at your disposal. You know, I, I've sold some stuff when I was down and out that I shouldn't have. And yeah. the, you know, there's, there's like four animals right now. That's how crazy it is. Like seven years, there's like four animals I let go of that I could really like sit back. Like, and I, I flew sleep over them today. <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck, I shouldn't have sold that granite to that asshole. You know, like, because yeah. like I see that snake today. I follow these animals. I know exactly where they are right now. Like, would they ever you're come back? You're doing the same stupid snake math. Exactly. That gets everyone in trouble and you're like, oh, oh man, I should have kept that kind of animal. That Fucking, yeah, you, you'll always regret that stuff. I mean, if you don't, then you're in the wrong hobby. That, that's all there is to it, man. If those animals don't mean anything to you other than just money, like, uh-huh. you're, fucking, you're just in the wrong hobby. So this may be, like, too intense to ask, but what's your worst moment as where you're like, maybe oh. I'm going to give up? Because there's always a moment where you're like, fuck this shit, I'm going to sell all my stuff. Good Lord. Is there a moment where you had that That's a tough question, it? sir. I, I will say... I've been through more than your average person in my lifetime. It's been not an easy road. I, I get on yeah. here and I talk about being successful or whatever the hell. The last four years have been fucking tough. I lived in a camper trailer. I lived in a fucking tool <laughs> shed with all my fucking animals behind some dude's house. Like, I've had it bad the last couple of years before I finally got to where I needed to be to where I could fucking really do this business right. But I never gave up on it. I let myself go without a lot of times and a lot of years where I didn't let my animals go out, you know. Uh, and last year, I got ripped off by this dude. He fucking stole like $2,000 from me. I was paying rent on my shop, and the guy didn't even own the property. He was renting the property. He just packed up and left on me. So, like, I'm left, like, homeless. I'm fucking in the dead part of my season where I don't even have fucking babies for fucking sale, dude. I got nothing to my name. I thought I was good for, like, six months on my bills. You know, uh, there was a moment, man, where, like, fuck, I loaded a shotgun, walked out in the field, and thought about just ending it all, dude. I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I've had some tough times, I think man. that's what you always see at the end of the road. Like, this yeah. is where this person is. For that's sure. not always that's how it dude. is. Like, I had a point where all my ball pythons... Yep. Um, I got, I really ramped up my collection in maybe like six months or so. So I all had them in the same rack. Sure. And just, I had what people in the ball, pi- in ball python industry would call the snake aids. Right. And you know, all my, 
Snakes died and I couldn't do anything about it. And I was like, do I quit here? Right. Or do I double down on some shit that I'm really fucking yep. happy about? And I think everyone reaches that point. Absolutely. It's just important to commit to the shit like we've been saying the whole time. Absolutely. Keep on going. Dude, there were a million times I could have sold out. I got $300,000 from the fucking snakes in my house, dude. I've fucking eaten ramen noodles and macaroni some days <laughs> just to fucking keep this goddamn dream alive. I could be doing okay. I could have fucking money or I could keep my fucking dream alive and keep my dream rolling, you know? Fucking, yeah. you gotta That's true that to your dream. I remember talking to you. You just bought a new place and you're like, I was talking about what got set up first. The snake room. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, My bathroom's like, still not like, done. The before, like, your livelihood, yeah. it was the yeah. snakes came first. And, and it and, always like, has That been, shows yeah. you that, like... For sure. Yeah. And that's how it's got to be, man. It really does. Man. But yeah. why? This is the Why does it reality? have to be so hard? Like, why? Because the market will fucking chew you up and spit you out of your piece of shit. you got to care about your house. Will it ever be stuff. not that? Because you think, okay, like, dog breeders. Hopefully like, it's always like, like But, like, dog breeders isn't like that. You know, dog breeders, like, uh, I can make some... Dude. Do. But there's others who can make sales at Walmart on the side of the sidewalk. And they just bred them cut, like For because. Sure. And, and you know, SNS Exotics and all these little flippers out there oh, are doing just fine. You know, they're, they're they're flipping stuff out there, and they make those low end fucking wholesale yeah. sales and buy people out, and they sell shit for dirt. And there's all sorts of people out there. That so do that the exists thing. right now in the same. Oh yeah, it exists, and they do in just every fine. Market, you know, yep. talking about retakes in general. But, but if you come by my right? booth and you walk by those fucking flippers booths, it's just it's obvious. It's Night different. Day. Like a, I can tell you everything about this animal, all about its parents. You come and talk to me you're just gonna get an entirely different feel whereas you're gonna go talk to those other people and they're gonna be like on their phone you know they're sitting down in a chair they're like i guess being a rat right they don't fucking know they're flippers dude you know and there's a lot of that out there and and, and there is a difference too like there's even room for flipping there's very responsible there's responsible people who take in animals and they fucking get them if you're talking about like dan malaria dm exotics he's bringing in white lead scrub all this shit that he's also trying to breed yep but he's flipping them technically but like he actually knows there's a way to do that right man and then there's the people that are like i bought this in a deli cup i set it on my table it didn't sell it's gonna stay in this deli cup till my next show damn you know and there's those people that i heard them telling others that you know this blue tongue skink is strictly vegetarian oh yeah for sure they're giving out wrong information if you're that person then i think you're gonna get weeded out but anyway but go fuck yourself right (laughs) oh for sure dude and there's plenty of those people out there man it's sad you know, I think it should be a little bit on the show promoters who they let in their fucking events. I know there's a lot of show promoters true. that claim, you know, they're better than all these other shows or whatever, but they got the same wholesale We've flipper talked about that shows, as know? far as, like, should there be some more, just, like, just, like, 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 should, should you start you, a show where you right. or it's only the good people. breeders, actual mm. people who produce but their should animals. have to bred or really ethical flippers right. because I still believe in bringing stuff from Indonesia and there's all that a place shit, for it. There is rare a place animals, but I... I want people to know what they're selling. Yep. And also, I don't want them to be selling a thousand green trees and they don't know how to take care of green right. trees. And all that shit, like, that can be left to someone else. Also, like, is your leopard gecko in a 2.2? You know, it's always in, like, 10 loops. For sure. A lizard should be able to, like, chill in its enclosure without feeling uncomfortable and being cramped up. I just think there's some standards that. So Ryan, do you think shows should have more regulations on like who comes in? I absolutely feel that way. I, you know, that I, I'm gonna piss some people off because I do all these fucking shows. They're all. <laughs> I mean, buddies, you, but you know, if you do like, them, you have the right to talk about them. You know, like you do a lot. Like you do even the little Lone Star Texas. Like Lone Star is pretty much not 
nothing, but you do it. I, like, I do and so I feel like that gives you the right to talk about it. So I go kinda, for it. I kind of feel that it. way too. And like I say, there's some of these groups that claim that they're they're better than everybody else, and they have the best shows in Texas and what. But if you go around. Fucking, I know Pasadena Hurts gets us all these flack or whatever the hell because there was like one shitty flipper there who had some dead stuff on there. That same shitty flipper is at every other fucking show in Texas. Mm. The one show he's not at, it's just because he don't have enough fucking tables to sell them. <laughs> like, it's already a sold-out event. Like, he would be there too. You know, it, it's these events, they're, they're into selling tables and they're into selling ticket sales. I don't know how many of them are really into like... Let's really make care sure that this is quality snakes. animals yeah. that are in They here, just want to you know? sell tables. The, the table sales is definitely a big part Damn. of it, for sure. For sure. It's, it's kind of crazy, man. I it's think, I mean, I knew some guys who put on a show in Rochester, and, sure. you know, there wasn't a show there before. They didn't have many people to pick from, but they personally went out and found I'm those sure vendors. Sure, they found people they wanted. Because, like, show. sometimes when you're putting on a show, you may have to pursue vendors. They don't yep. always pursue you, so Absolutely. maybe you should be a more little bit more selective and do more on your end to find good people and then you have a better show and you have fucking better vendors yep. and your show is better and more people come and then 100 percent, man i couldn't agree with that anymore man uh you know i, I think a, a big thing these shows they just get too comfortable and complacent like yep i sell out my tables and this amount of people come through the door and it's just it's a good show every time but whatever like, happens happens right exactly yeah. man and i don't know you i know, think everyone should take responsibility for themselves but at the same time for sure, I, don't you know, know it's hard. I can tell you how many people came through the door based on my sales to an extent. Yeah, I promote myself and I put myself out there and I have pre-sales or whatever the hell. But if there's fifteen hundred people through the door, I'm gonna sell five to seven snakes. If there's twenty five hundred really? people through the door, fifteen hundred, you're only gonna sell five. Yeah, I mean, that I'm makes in sense. A, the I'm in, okay. I'm in I don't a, know how things I'm work, niche, but whoa, I'm in a niche corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and, and like I say too. I refuse a lot of sales and, and you know, on the I'm, spot on you the do. Spot. Oh, absolutely. You'll be just like, no, if I can't. You sell tell it. me you're putting this retic in a twenty gallon. I'm going to tell you not today, sir. You're going to go get somebody else's retic. Oh, Fucking, you're not going to buy okay. from me. You know, I, I have these animals set up a certain way. They're thriving and they're doing well. And if you want to have these animals from me, you're going to set them up the same way that I have them because it's what's doing right by them. It's what's successful for me. Uh, you know, if I sell you this animal that's doing right in a you know V70 tub or a V18 tub. And you go home, put it in a 20 gallon, it dies tomorrow because it knows it's lit all night long and stressed out. Well, that's not really my fault, you know. And I make sure that people have that information. I make sure that people know what they're getting into. And, and unfortunately, that does cost me a lot of sales, just being up front with people, for sure. But, but it, at the end it of the keeps day, you a lot of alive snakes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, time. Keep absolutely. In more problems in the long term, Vicious. which I always talk about. Like, if someone contacts me, I'm like, well, they really like I don't care if I sell it because the person who really wants it like yep. that's who's gonna take care of it absolutely this year you know I produced like 250 animals I can honestly tell you there were two that I sold that didn't thrive for whatever the hell the reason was whether it was on the customer or on me or on the snake or whatever the hell it was that's pretty good numbers man like two, two out yeah. of like 250 didn't but thrive even, but even people aren't used to talking about that because like we were talking before like I had one that was like died once I gave it to a customer, sure. but it's like, I honestly, it all signs led it was fine, and then, you know, questionable things may happen before that, but it's like, 
you know, Shit you never know. And you make it right. Absolutely, man. absolutely. And you always got to make it right by your question, by your customers too, man. You know, like it's one thing. I always want to check their scenario. I want to make sure that, like, before I send them another animal, before I set them up for failure mm-hmm. again, that, like, you know, we're gonna nip this in the butt, whatever might have gone wrong. But at the end of the day, too, you know, you got to make it right by those customers. They're the ones that keep you in business. They're the ones keeping your dreams alive, for sure. And sometimes it's like maybe that customer doesn't know. It's a learning. We all have learning experiences yep. constantly. And it's like maybe I should help them now because it may repay me in the future. I, That's how I feel. I had a guy today, uh, this year, you know, I'm not going to name him at all. He's a super nice guy. I don't want to be embarrassed or whatever the hell. But uh, he claimed he'd had berms in the past. He had retics in his past. But he's just kind of getting new back into it. He doesn't have any of this stuff now. And, when I sold him the stuff, he did exactly what I said not to do. Like, hey, he told me, you know, ah, I've had all this stuff before, so I sold him some animals, and he put them straight into 40 gallons. Well, these were little bitty hatchlings that had been living in shoebox-sized tubs. They did not know what the mm, fuck was going on. It's way too much space. Way too much space. You can't temper right. You know, everything was wrong in these environments. And one died, like, the first night. Well, he hit me up, and he hit me up not like a dick. He hit me up like, hey, man, do you think you know what happened? You know what I mean? He didn't yeah. like immediately come like assaulting me or whatever. I, I got him through it. We sent him another animal. The guy since bought like three snakes off of me since then. He's got everything set and up that's right. That's so worth it, taking the time. Oh, he's like for like all day that one day, he sent me pictures of him building this rag. And he fucking loves you and now. Now we're best friends. He'll never buy he's a snake like, from anybody I'll buy else. you a snake. Exactly. I'll buy a snake from you. Just it doesn't matter what it is. Yep, exactly. And I made sure he got his rack built right, and I made sure his animals are doing right now. And, you know, yeah, it cost me a $300 snake. I had to send him to replace it or whatever. It was my fault because I didn't ask enough questions up front to begin with. I should have known that that's, you know, yeah, you said you had these animals in the past, but that doesn't always mean that, like, you had them correctly in the past. But that shows shows the level of, like, integrity that you have as a breeder to know that, look, People think they know shit, but they don't. And it's on me as the more knowledgeable one to to make sure, right, to let, to double check they know, and if they don't, to make sure. That's my job. And, right, like, to, to, to know that, okay, I'm up here, I need to share that. Yep, Not sure. that I need to keep that secret, and if you don't know, fuck you, you, you fuck. You right. know what I mean? Like, that, that shows that you're a better breeder because you want to share that. You because if that snake goes home and dies, guess what? I get to sell you another one. There's a lot of guys <laughs> that are that way, man. Fucking Bob Clark, he'll fucking sell you another one all day and let you keep fucking it up, you know? Like, there's some guys out there that'll do that stuff to you. But I, I, I hope that the good guy at the end wins, and I think it does at the end end of the day maybe if you're not the biggest breeder in the world for sure you do all right for yourself people like you don't get as much trouble and i think having having your brain right right off the bat like that is where to be too you know like know what you're getting into this isn't like some get rich quick scheme you're not winning the lottery making these animals you're gonna work your fucking ass off harder than you ever worked for anybody else in your life i I promise you you learn that quickly really quick (laughs) for sure anybody you know i produced music and sold hip-hop for like a number of years i did nothing but that i put my whole life into that that was all i did if you're going to be successful at anything that's what you got to do you have to fully submerge yourself in when it. did this become your hundred percent i know a lot of people even people who've been breeding forever like sure. they have another job like and this is their, where like, like, when did when did this become your hundred percent job total fluke not even gonna lie to you so like 
I started the Reptarium with David Spicer with like the best of intentions. The guy comes to me out of nowhere. He said, Plano Pets is trying to sell me Plano Pets for 40 grand. I said, ah, let's go fucking look at this thing. I was going to half Plano Pets with him or some shit, you know? Like, and I had cashed out of some other businesses and had a little money and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, you know? And I would kind of already just got into the retics a little but it wasn't like a fucking long-term plan mm-hmm. like i like these animals they're pretty you know what i mean <laughs> it was, really wasn't much past that you know and we were building our little thing at the reptarium and, and i had my first successful season that first year that the reptarium was open i was pumping out animals i had like a fucking 2800 people follow me on facebook out of nowhere and all of a sudden people were just blowing me up night and day I had wait lists for animals that i didn't even fucking make wasn't gonna make till the next year and it all of a sudden just kind of got crazy and like my initial plan was to continue helping Dave and them out there at the shop uh, until, you know, things took off further. I just figured I'd always have a part-time job there or whatever the hell. And then those guys really got to where they were like, we started the place to sell, like, captive-bred stuff from quality people. And they got to where they were buying from Triple L and Outback. And then the market smashed in the face oh, and said, yeah. you got to be a little bit cheaper, motherfucker. Exactly. They're very expensive for captive born animals. So it, it just got to where, like, man, everything we started that place on, they kind of went around their backs on, man. They ramped their fucking rat prices through the roof on everybody. They neglected a bunch of my animals while I was out of town working with Andy and killed a bunch of my animals while I went there. So we, like, fell out hard going into my second year there. And it was really my third successful breed season that year. And I did okay that year. I mean, I did like $40,000 worth of retics that year or whatever the hell. But when you're putting eighteen twenty back into it, right, <laughs> it's not a wonderful life at that. 20 grand a year is not very much. I'm paying taxes on that. Fuck it, you know what I mean? So, like, I kind of got left in this position where all of a sudden it was like, all right. I shit or get off the pot. Yeah, shit or get, get off. I gotta either make this thrive or this fucking dream's gonna fucking fall out, man. And I just ran with it, dude. I fucking sold the shit out of everything that year. I paired up more than ever. I joined business partners with Andy Hine. He added a bunch of females to my collection. Is that Andy uh, King? Is that the same person? Andy Hine? No. Wait, I thought it was King. Mm-mm, nope. Hine. Who's the you one? You know who he is. Who's the one yeah. who was at your house? That, it's Hine? Okay. Yeah, that's Andy Hine. Ivy Monk, King, Andy Hine. How did you, that's did myself. you go 50-50 initially? Yeah, or is he I was interested in I've been doing my own thing for, for a number of years, and then, like, out of the blue, he was wholesaling stuff to the Reptarium and doing a bunch of work for the Reptarium, too, and they had kind of been pissing him off, like, they were pissing me off, and we almost, like, partnered up to almost out of, like, mutual contention, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, he'd come up to my house one day, and he'll tell you, too, like, he came up to my house one day, and he seen what I was doing, and he was like, man, this kid, like, gives a fuck. You know what really I mean? Care. I was yeah. really into what I was doing. I obviously knew what I was talking about with my genetics. I had stuff going already. I had already produced a world first. You know what I mean? It was my third year in. I'm making world first genetics. I wasn't just like some fly by night. Like, I think it's yeah. hard to find give a fuck. It's two give really a fuck hard. And you know each other when you find them for yeah. sure. Andy knows how to make money. He's been successful right. at what he did. I watched him go from selling ten dollar glass tanks at fucking San Antonio fucking <laughs> you know shows to to now he's the largest reptiles. Uh, dry goods dispenser in like the whole south and it's like know? also even if you give a fuck about just snakes maybe you're not good at business so sure. i think it's hard sometimes those two don't always mesh absolutely and like if you find someone who's good at both, both of those right. that's a fucking home run absolutely so you know we kind of partnered up i told him you add all the females you want to my collection he already had tables fucking because he's buying 10 12 tables for shows all the time so i was getting free table space it was just beneficial to both of for us both. you know for sure absolutely and it's developed that way you know uh 
we still do a lot of stuff together. I now I usually have my own booth or whatever, just because it's kind of that's got to where I don't have one display case just anymore. Numbers. Right, exactly, yeah. just the space, you know. Uh, but definitely, you know, Andy Andy's been a, a big part of the cyber connection thing, and he's definitely helped blow it up to, to a new level that we wouldn't have achieved at the Shout the out Andy Hine. Yeah. Hope you're listening right now. Southern Reptile Supplies. Y'all can Southern see Reptile him at, Sol- uh, NARBC. He'll have the biggest dry good selection That's out like there. one of the first things where it's like, I should probably move to dry good no, and rats man. or all that shit, because that, that side is... Dry goods has some money pretty in good. it. Rats has some money in it, man. But it's all super competitive, man. You know, one of the big right. reasons Andy's uh, successful in that industry is because he was real good about, like, he come in and he just undercut everybody and he put them all out. And right. Now he's the guy that's left. Fucking, uh, I think, honestly, you know, not to suck my own dick too hard, I've kind of done that <laughs> in Texas with the retics too. Like, there's not a lot of guys that are going to compete with me as far as quality, doing as far as price, doing what I like to do. You know, my, my, my genetics are different from everybody else's. Everybody else is trying to wholesale flip Bob Clark's animals down here in Texas still and lie to you and tell you they're their animals. I'm the only person that's really selling you the shit that's what I'm telling you I'm selling you. So, like, it, it, it's it carved out a little fucking corner. I think that's so important in the reptile world. Like, you are, are obviously way farther than Joe and I. Joe. I'm just an accessory. <laughs> but like the more we try to grow and everything, I'm just like, how do we be different? Right. That's sure. what I struggle and with. That's like, especially on, in the social media world. I'm yep. like, oh, so many people make vlogs. So many people make podcasts. So many yeah. people but yeah, have Instagram. This, but it's, still this podcast the, is so much bigger. But it's it's so absolutely. hard for me, at least someone who's very new to the world, I'm like everyone does this. Like right. it's hard for me to be like, how can we be successful? Because there's the people we look up to. Like, almost every day, we're watching Dave Kaufman on YouTube. What's the True. other guy? Uh, bald, married to Apple. Oh, Dan. Dan Malaria. Dan, oh, Dan Malaria. I'm like, we look up to so many people. I'm like, how do we be different than the big people? Well, and it's very, it's very hard for someone on the outside to see that. I think I'm, someone like y'all right. sees it more than me, who I'm like... Yeah. My passion is made through him, like my sure. for y- through y'all, like all of y'all. Like the more y'all talk about things, the more y'all get excited. I get excited, sure. and I it's yeah, it's hard to be like, how can I be different? Because right. there's a thousand breeders out there, but maybe ten of them are going hard like us, like DM Exotics. Like he's selling a lot because he's going hard. There's so many other flippers out there. But he is the top. But the flippers are making it. I feel like I don't know. Uh, yeah, but kind of. With yeah. with the people who are new, but right. the people that are always here, Absolutely. us like we know who's legit, we know who's not. So they win at the end of the day because we're willing to spend thousands of dollars, and those people are willing to spend hundreds of dollars. Exactly. So what matters is being in with our people. And if we're trying that, like thankfully, thankfully yeah. we live. We're in Texas right now. We can hit up. Ivory Connection. We went to Carpet Fest. So Eric, what is Eric's like? Texas. Well, we went to Carpet Fest where Eric was there. What's Eric? I don't know his. Eric like, Burke from that's just Eric Burke. We met Owen from Morelli. What's Python Radio. Radio? We met Bill. Bill Stegall. Bill Stegall. Like, Files. thankfully, like Everybody. we have the area to do Pinnell, that. I'm sure Michael Pinnell but even, even do we meet Michael from, Pinnell? But Eric and Owen are from Pennsylvania. Yeah, and they came down, down here, here. Sure right? The right, and it's just like, yeah, it's in the snake world. <laughs> It's weird because before dating him, before meeting all these people, I'm like, snakes? Like, yeah, I'm not scared of them, but no, like, 
I've never been like, a person. You know what I mean? Like, who? Right. Is, it was always like, who's it just but snakes? But now that dating him, I'm like, whoa. Sure. There's so, so many people. And yeah. it's like, before I'm like, oh, you know, can you big at snakes? Like, no one's really into it. And now I'm like, there's so many people. How do you make your mark? One of the biggest things is like, initiate with those people. When you come out to a show, man, once again, not trying to blow myself too hard here, but you come to one of my shows where I'm vending. I have chairs behind my booth for other people to sit on, like my helpers and stuff, my people that come out to visit with me. You will never see me sit down at a show. Uh, everybody that walks down my aisle, if you make eye contact with me, how are you doing? You doing okay today? I hope you're having a wonderful weekend. I'm going to at least greet you and talk to you. If you walk down like some of those other guys, they've got the phone out, they're in the chair, they're not even looking like, at not you. Not interested in talking to you. No, yeah. man. That's not how we spread our hobby. That's not how we spread our passion. That's not how we spread our love for these animals, man. If you're not out there showing that you care and that you're happy to be there and you're excited about these animals you're selling, that's how you really set yourself out different, man. Because there are so many people that are like, this is a job to them now. Right. This is not a job to me. I'm fucking retired. I go fishing four days a week. I fucking clean snakes all day. I don't have shit on but where I ain't got no kids or wife or none of that fucking bullshit. So, like, you know what I mean? This is just why I'm just doing what I enjoy doing, you know? Like, if it becomes a job and you're, like, working and you're fucking stressed all the time about, about it, then yeah. you gotta fucking think about it. Exactly, man, you know? And, and I do want to throw that out there, too. I think that's a lot of my freedom is I'm single. I ain't got no kids. I made some smart decisions early in you life. You don't have too many of those, like, you got to feed a family right. type of thing. It's really difficult. You got three kids at the house to go chase your own dreams, man. You know, like, those kids' dreams are your dreams. Snakes now. aren't always necessarily a balanced business. You know, something that's stable. 100%. You may have off years. If on you years. can't be, like, selfish and all about yourself, you're probably not going to be very <laughs> successful at this right off the bat, man. It, it's kind of one of those things, yourself, man. Yeah. You really got to establish yourself you really gotta like put the time into those animals i don't know a whole lot of women that are like cool with like you're at the damn snake room 10 hours a day you know like right. <laughs> like you gotta tell off the bat or else it's oh, bringing yeah. you down you gotta have absolutely you know, someone who's either all right with it or you either know, someone who's down either whatever. i don't ask you about your shoes in your closet you don't ask me about my snake room or we need to be supporting each other one or the right. other <laughs> for sure for sure, but I think that's a key, man. I see a lot of people, you know, they've got kids, they've got all this other stuff going on, and that a lot of the reason why I'm successful is that I don't have anything else going on. I put my entire life into this, like all of it, but yeah, and it's it's what's gotten me to where I am. Man. And there are some really like hobby people who are still very successful. Oh yeah, their... you could do this at a hobbyist level and still be highly still successful. Make good money. Yep, and... for sure. I'm but sure I mean, some of those just... guys. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You know, you're working 60 hours a week, and then you're coming home, and you're working 40 hours a week in your snake shop, and then you're manning fucking online sales, and you're working shows on the weekend. I don't know where you put kids and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only people I know who are successful at it work consistently. It's their whole it's job. No, yep. It's no easy thing. It's no, you know, passive income. Absolutely. You have to do shit. You know, and that's a lot of the reason why I'm getting these rats kind of going too right now. It's like even, like, I'm successful. I do well. I make my bills every month or whatever the hell. But it's something about having that stress off your mind and knowing, like, fuck, I can do, like, $2,000 fucking dollar for the rat sales every month. <laughs> but, but also, like, how much more work are you doing? Hours and hours. Yeah, like for sure. Absolutely. 20 more hours a week. Absolutely. That you're putting on yourself. Easily. 
easily. Does this smell bother you? I've never been around rats, my but he told me the smell. Is dead to the world. I was a vet tech for ten years. I've had my finger up more dogs' asses than anybody should ever. Dude, I start crying. Yeah. I <laughs> like that's why we're never gonna breed rats because it just kills <laughs> that's us. Stupid. Some people like that, and I know most people even too that do it long enough will eventually get contact allergies to it. Really? That's true. snakes, maybe. Get that contact out just from the ammonia. You get exposed to that much ammonia, eventually it's gonna get to you. It's not great. <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't happen to you. Yeah, I've got exhaust fans and stuff. It's in like we a... already put. He's not living. He's living like thirty more years. Yeah, yeah for sure, exactly. Rats don't kill you. Maybe You're right. I'll be all right. right. We'll be good. No, and, and I do. I'm gonna have Evan out there helping me, and I'm sure I'll have some other helpers out there helping me too. I'm not just gonna be slaving in a rat shop all day. <laughs> But uh, it is kind of unique, though, that like, that'll be consistent business. I don't have to worry so much about stuff. My snakes sell themselves. They just don't always sell themselves the day that I want them to sell. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to go. It's just Even they if you pump, you know, 10 rats into them, maybe that's 50 bucks. But it's still, not a big deal. Like, still did all right. And the animals that I'm working with, too, like, the bigger they get, the more expensive they, they, the value goes up. You know, it's not like a right. ball python where, like, oh, everybody made a whole bunch of them. Now it's not worth anything. No, that fucking male that's now breeder ready is worth fucking five hundred to a thousand dollars more than he originally was because he's ready to breed. You know, uh, females. You got a female with two years on her. I don't care what she is. A normal, she's worth like seven hundred, eight hundred. This is gonna happen just right. because she's got the age. She's getting near sexual maturity. Somebody put some time and some work into that animal. They can be sure. young for sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Evan says, little update, he's going to have to watch this podcast later because he's waiting in the ER right now. <laughs> what the hell? I'm not really sure why he's still on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but that shows you Evan's priorities yeah. right now. But, like, he really wanted to let us know why he wasn't watching because he's sitting in the ER. Did a gar eat you? What I happened? I don't know. <laughs> like, I thought he was just fishing for, like, Chill fish. I didn't know he was like doing. Oh no, he's after like seven foot gars. Okay, so I'm assuming I'm not quite sure, but clearly, like we are high in Evan's priorities. There's only so many things. That's true. I can see him tailing a copperhead. Yeah, that's true. And then Texas Congress, which is Mark, right? Yes. yes, Mark. Also, we'd love to have you on the show, BT Duds. Um, Mark Ooh. said you should have a retick <laughs> fest. Yeah, you what know, I'm not too many. I'm kind of working on something. Right now. It's not exactly retech fest, but it, it's a customer appreciation day I'm working on. It's probably going to be at the end of October, early November, waiting for it to kind of cool down and stuff. I've got a big, like, 50 acres with ponds and stuff on it that I take people out on all the time. We go fishing and camping and things. I'm going to have a customer appreciation day where all my customers, anybody that's ever bought anything from me, can come out. We're going to camp out on my property. You know, well, we haven't so bought anything from you. Yeah. We haven't Bonus bought anything. Yeah. We haven't bought anything from you, So what that means is anyone who's listening, buy a fucking retail That's so right. party with You come party water. out, man. We'll get drunk as shit, catch some catfish. I got 10-pound bass out there at the pond. It's going to be a real good weekend, man. I'll probably have people camping around the house, too, because I'm not going to sleep out there at the pond. I'm fucking spoiled. I'm not and talk about all the other shit that you can see at your place. I mean, you have Caymans, fucking canines. panther chameleons, huge fucking snakes out the water. Zoo, so man. what kind of caimans do you 
have? I've got the oh man, I've got the Cubby Airs, um, and then I've got a whole bunch of diamonds. So the diamonds are cross hybrids; they don't exist in the wild. Uh, Mitch Diamond produced those originally, and I've got a giant female who's probably seven years old or so. She's like in the five six foot range, and I've got some younger juveniles as well. And they they pretty much make sure nothing ever goes to waste. Like they they clean up anything that. And if up. anyone ever breaks in, they'll be like. Oh yeah, for shit. sure. You know. If they don't see the retakes, they'll see a fucking yep. demon right when they come in. It's like, funny, man. You know, I just recently moved out of the country, but most of my life I lived in North Dallas in like the fucking barrio, man. I was in the hood over here in North Dallas, man, and like. Uh, about once a month, I would get a nice big snake out, and I'd take it out front on my little banister rail on my house or whatever the hell, and I'd let everybody know, like, this is what lives here. Nobody ever broke into my home ever. Yet. <laughs> I mean, for sure, man. I, I've never worried about the people coming to the home and people stealing those snakes, because most of those snakes, while I get them out, they're Hannibal and Tolomar yeah. or whatever, it's tap training, it's, it's knowing their routine. You're not just going to come fling those doors open and pull out one of those snakes, man. And the one thing I noticed is, like, this is a fucking animal. Like, I look at my snakes like, you're a little snake. Yeah. I it. I'll do what I want. <laughs> For that sure. snake, I'm like, you may fucking fuck me up. You it does whatever it wants. You yeah. need to be on its turf and on its terms. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, most of the big girls, I pretty much, you know, it's stupid. Everybody always asks, you know, like, what's your limit before you have a helper? Well, it used to be like I have like an eight foot limit, you know, over eight foot, I have a helper over before I open the doors or whatever. And then it was like a twelve foot limit. Oh yeah. Now, like, I get my biggest fucking girls out all the time <laughs> and let them cruise the room while I'm in there. But you know your animals. I know my animals, and I don't do that with all of them. There are some that have their own rules that, like, they don't ever get out in public around people. We have our own one on one time. There, you have to know the animals, man. Yeah. And that's that's a great point you fucking bring up, man. I I, I see that all the time, like. Uh, you know, observation is 99.9% of what we do here, man. And knowing your individual animals, man, that's what's going to keep you from getting bit. That's what's going to keep you in the know of knowing when they're ready. Each one of those animals is an individual in the retic world, especially. You know, maybe not so much in like ball pythons, some of these other snakes that kind of like have similarities where they're kind of almost always the same. And these, it's, it's tapped down a little bit. Right, more. exactly. These yeah. retics. They're literally observing you every bit as much as you're observing them. And I've never experienced that with anything other than, like, cobras and fucking, you know, some various hots. Uh, it, it, it's key to get a strict routine with them down that they can pick up because that, that's that's what you want. If you're willy-nilly about your stuff, they're going to be crazy, man, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and I think any smart snake is defensive. Like, my olive python, it looks at me, and it's like... I know you're not like on my team completely, but and I'll knowing, be chill once we get out. You're right, yeah, and knowing right. the difference in aggressive yeah. and, and defensive is a big thing too, man. Being able to read that body language and knowing, like, all right, you don't really want to eat me, but if it's a last ditch effort, you will. Yeah, you, you know, won't die before you fucking bite me in the throat. Like, yeah, right, exactly. You're an animal at the end of the day. Exactly, man. And you know, you get around these guys that have like I watched you today, even with a corn snake or whatever. You get around guys that you can tell have been handling animals for a long time. That they can take an animal that's defensive, and they can still move slow around it. They can still scoop it from underneath. They can I'm still like scoop a total it. pussy. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But, but at the same time, <laughs> those animals didn't act out where they probably would have acted out if you just went and shot right in and grabbed Yeah, them. and that water python would have bitten anyone else in the fucking sure, eyeball. For but... sure, because you know how to coach it and how to walk work around that animal. Yeah. And it's no different. If you observe those animals right, they're going to tell you everything you need. 
that's really yeah. the key. To me, that's the biggest key to this whole hobby. And I think that's also a good thing about, you know, I get some people who say, you know, I want to buy adults right out of the rip, but the thing is, like, you get all those learning experiences on babies, so it's like, fuck, man, I'd much rather a three-foot retake be fucking with me like that Absolutely. than a 12-foot retake. So, backtrack here to, like, 2008, 2009, I used to swear, I never want a retake. Retakes are the devil. They eat people. I don't That's want right, nothing. Oh, <laughs> I used to always think that, man. I don't want nothing to do with these things, man. And fucking, uh, I've been begging Bob Clark for a fucking green berm. I've been begging him, begging him. He had these wonderful green berms in like 2007, and he never had them again. And I just kept showing up at show after show, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll have one next show for you." He was just looking for one to like pick up to make a sale off of me, you know. And uh, finally, one show, I was like, "Man, I want this green berm. Like, where are these green berms?" And he's like, "I don't have one, but here's this tiger retake." And at the time, tigers were still expensive. Tigers you were, were young and impressionable. Oh, and yeah, like, for sure. Right, right, it was right. like a $1,000 snake. He's trying to sell me for like $400, you know? Bud, yeah, you know. for sure, you know? And it was decent at the show. You know, he was he was being all right. He's like, yeah, I've been having them around kids and stuff. We've done demonstrations also, with other people. Also, on this motherfucker. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's like, yeah, I think it's like a burb. Let's go home. <laughs> I get him home, man. I will say Debo, because he was the biggest fucking asshole I ever met in my fucking life. Debo wanted to know what you had on his rats. Fucking <laughs> Debo taught me more about snakes and retics and, and, and those animals in general in the four or five years. Who's Debo? Debo actually wound up getting sold. Debo was a very large male that I had to, you know, like I say, when I bought him from Bob, he was already like six, seven foot. So I was like, yeah, he must be chill. I went home, I threw him in a cage, he was the devil. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so, like I say, me and Debo, we went round and round for years. We learned a lot together. I finally got to where we were okay, man. And one of my first really good customers was dying for him. Like, when I finally got into retics, retics, and I bred real good that first season, I had a customer that he bought a tiger off of me, and he was just dying for fucking Debo. He's always begging me for him. I was like, can you secretly, I hate this motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he I'm was. because you don't want none of that shit. <laughs> That's right. So I told him, and I Ward was like, man, you know, he's kind of an asshole. He's been around forever, but like, you know, he's not a very good snake as far as like, you know, speaking up for retics perhaps yeah, goes, you know, friends, for sure. And he was all about it. He still has Debo. I keep up with him all the time. I still see get pictures of Debo all the time. Uh, bite pics, fucking all sorts of shit. Yeah, most of them hanging off of his hands or something. For sure. But I made sure he went to a good home. The guy knew what he was getting into, you know. And, and, and I will say, though, that buying that initial animal up front and getting to know him with no expectations to ever breed these animals or any expectation of making a career out of this for fucking sure fucking i got to know that animal really well and he let me know everything that i know about these animals today that i'm still working with you know if i hadn't spent that time with him those first four years i wouldn't be where i am i, right I feel so like i don't know because these people that i see that are able to buy adults right off the bat i'm like you don't know what you're missing as yep. far as just raising them up and absolutely what's going and on. dealing with them being bitches as babies is that what you mean? Yeah. well yeah but all of a sudden you you raise like a couple babies but now you have 20 babies and they're all sure. pieces of shit like, oh, like it's my first time being with babies i'm like you're all you're like yeah. expected like, a corn snake to be like a corn snake, but a sure. baby corn snake is right. a lot because we, we've yeah. bought like we've yeah. bought like yearlings, you know, like sure. or even less than that, like yep. you know. The, but I months. did not know like 
straight out of egg right. is different than oh, four absolutely. months later. They are demons. Yep. Like, <laughs> absolutely. No matter what you do, they're going to pose and try to bite oh, you. And I like, totally concur with across the board, whatever species you're wanting to get into, demons. buy some hatchlings first. You know, demons. Get used to those hatchlings. If they, you're looking to breed these things, get used to those babies. You need to know what that's like. That's the stress for sure. And I, I mean, I don't know if you watch the corn snake. Baby video with us. It was me. He was gone with the military. Yeah. I had to deal with it all. Sure. I have never dealt with that. They're right. It was. And he's commented. All, the whole fucking world has commented <laughs> about how shitty I did with it. But just like he but, said, like it's like 10,000 hours of watching his animals. Yes. I can't throw you into the fire oh, and expect no. you to know this You're shit. But sure, that's what dude. happened. Like I mean that's I do agree. Like experience means a lot. But you the need fact that it like for sure. the fact that I went through it, the next time we have babies, I will know more and I will yeah. be different. But for like sure. I can't imagine the way I felt with corn snake babies saying like, Will you take babies? I'm like, no 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 That's like, a full grown corn snake. Like sure. that's not even gonna <laughs> the retake babies. Yep. Despite the fact that it didn't hurt, it was so much of a mental thing that right. I'm like, after I got bit, I'm like, I fucking hate you. Oh. I'm like, I'll say this isn't going to fucking happen. Like, this, I'm going to let you fucking die. You're like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm to the point where like, if you die, I'm okay. Like, yep. I'm okay with the, the guilt of having you die. I'm okay with Joe's anger of le- him letting you die. Like, it got to the point where like, yep. You know, and I will say, imprinting on them young is a big thing, I think, with these retics, too. You know, when my babies hatch out, they all go with, like, a 34-quart tub together. All together, waiting for them to get their first shed. Day one, I come put my hand in that tub. They all bite me. They all piss everywhere. They all open my ah, It's interesting you. to keep them together. Uh, you know, they got to all be together, honestly, to really get to what, I, what I'm after. Is that only retics? I always or? did that with pythons in general. I think it works well with other snakes, really? too. For corn sure. snakes, I've See, done corn it, snakes, we, or at least you told me, hatch. separate yep. them immediately or they'll eat each other. Well, is is that not the fear in That retics? is a possibility with colubrids. Not okay. really so much with your pythons, for sure. Okay. But day three, I come in, I put my hand in, and there's like one or two turds still. Day five, I put my hand in, and like one's like, ah, fuck you still. But after seven days, every day I come in and put my hand in this tub, they don't even care I'm there. They're like, "Uh, it's the monkey that brings the water. (laughs) It's here to water us. We're over this. You know what I mean? And I think that's, once again, that's a routine. It's the same every day. I come in at the same time for the same, like, four minutes. I put my hand in the tub. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's building a repertoire with them, and it's getting them in that I did notice that like I picked up like the burn that you had oh, and yeah. some of the retakes and they're all pretty very chill and you would at the show you were giving retakes to little kids yep that's and I was like holy fuck but then again all your retakes were fucking chill as a motherfucker you know I would never hand something to somebody that I thought was gonna like put a bad impersonation on them, you know, that was going to, like, make them, like, you know, not like my species. All I want to do is make people appreciate these animals that I work with. That's really all I'm after, you know? And so, like, uh, I don't know, man. I, I see it a lot of shows. Most people, you know, they got retics. They're not busting it out. They'll tell you stupid stuff like, you know, uh, Oh, yeah, you want to hold that. Like, you get it out, you put it back in the tub. Like, I've been told that as a consumer, you know what I mean? And I think, like, I guess I don't really like these retics. Yeah, you know. They're not that cool. I've spent the time. I've put it in with these animals, man. I'm not going to bust anything out for for anybody that's going to hurt them, you know. And I think people getting to see at these shows that, A, 
a male retic doesn't have to be fucking a huge animal. He can live his whole life in a four-foot enclosure. Is a big thing. And that, B, these animals aren't just known man-eaters like right out the egg like they yeah. used to be, you know. 10, 15 years ago, I was in concurrence with everybody. They were awful, dude. They were no fun. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm the <laughs> They were no fun to work with, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, it's just totally different, man. If you put the time in, you put the strict routine in, you're going to have animals that are tolerable that you can hand to kids i've got a kid right now who's like a 12 year old kid fucking i don't know what grade that is second third fourth grade whatever the fuck that's what in. yeah she'll yeah. say like a kid i'm like, <laughs> yeah. that, like eighth grade i don't fucking for know. sure i got no on. i don't no know what that is but he's a younger kid and his dad was all about the retics and he was all about the retics and their first snake they fucking ever got for me was a fucking lavender fucking retic named Rico who's a fucking delight now. They take him yeah. to Petco all the time. He's like that seven, eight foot size where he's nice and fun. They've had him for like three years. He does great and that's like really all they ever really had. They jumped right in. The first fucking snake damn near like was all you need. I feel like, because people ask me all the time, what's the... What's the best beginner snake? I'm like, the one that you researched. The, the one most. that you've researched and the yeah, one that like, you're passionate about and into, man. Exactly. You can keep a green tree as your first pet if absolutely. you really fucking If you give a fuck about it, it. absolutely, yeah. man. And I, I see that all the time. What's the best beginner snake? It's always core snake or ball python. Like, that probably isn't the best beginner snake. Most of the people I know that are really good with those animals are like 40-year-old dudes that have been doing it forever, you know what I mean? I'm the only dude in Colubris who's under 50. Who's under 50, right? Yeah. I did not know that. That's for sure, man. Awesome. That's our niche. Yeah. That's our niche. We're under 50. We're just waiting for the other guys to die, and then we'll be all right. Yeah, we're under 50. Awesome. Oh, yeah. But no, man, I, I think that's the key, man. You know, like you say, find your ditch too, fucking, but, uh, you know, work on stuff that, that, that you're passionate about, man. Fucking don't let other people determine, like, your market and what you need to be getting yeah. into. Like, work on stuff that you care about. And, and the best first snake is 100% what you said. It's the one that you give a fuck about. It's the one that you're passionate about. The one that you did the and research And what's shitty for. is, if people are listening to this podcast, obviously they give a shit. So oh, there yeah. are those people who give a shit. Absolutely. So even if you wanted retakes, this is the first thing you that you already give more shits than most people. Yep, absolutely. I've sold retics to people as their first pets, but it really? was a lot of questions involved, and it was a lot of making sure that was really... Good. And there were some people that that was like, it worked for them, and that's all they've ever owned is a retic. I've got many customers that they bought a retic, was their first thing they ever owned. Now they have a dozen of them, and that's all they'll ever own. Like, uh, it doesn't have to be like, oh, it's this crazy pet. You know, like, yes, females, you're going to need some help. You know, like, you're going to eventually need somebody's going to have to be there. But you can have a male retic live in a four-foot cage his whole life, live at seven to eight foot long. Most of my males are topping out before they're even nine foot, 15 pounds. They're eating colossal rats once a week. Carpet pythons fucking get bigger than that, dude. That's what I you hear know? all the time. People are like, you need these big cages for these carpets. These carpets get eight to ten feet. The way I feed them, they get maybe six to eight. And V70s, for the most part, have been good for me, especially for a male. A male is honestly as big as my corn snake. For it just sure. has a big fucking head. But, I mean, I've seen 15-foot coastals. Yeah. You, you know? <laughs> for sure. But, but it's not, not me. It's, it's not up to me to make those. For sure. I'd, I'd wait an extra year for that thing to produce. It's 100% like I talk about the retics. You can make them big, but, like... What do you want? You want a big snake, or you want a snake that's gonna live its full life expectancy? Right. Because that's really what it boils down to, man. Absolutely. Are you trying to trim eight to ten years off this animal's life? You know. Yeah. 
And I, I don't think people see it through that far. Though. No, no, nobody. No, it's big. I like feeding it guinea pigs. Like, you know, that's yeah, all as far as they think. Bigger and bigger <laughs> yeah, for sure. Once you my, get into that. My biggest fucking snakes in the house, my fucking near 200 pound, 18, 19 foot females, you know, they're, they're huge. Four pound rabbits every seven to ten days. And what is that? Like a small bump in there? They don't. You don't even notice it's there. (laughs) No lump at all. (laughs) For sure, they don't have to eat antelope. And I I mean, you know, you can feed them very big prey, and they'll digest it just fine. But but. that snake, if it ate a fucking gazelle in the wild, it's gonna live off that for a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's totally different ball game. Yeah. Absolutely. And those snakes in the wild, they're not breeding every year. They're not constantly fucking doing. They're they're, they're, you know they're they're like so much thinner, so much more muscular build. They're lean. You know they're on the go twenty four seven. They're actively hunting. Retics are one of the few pythons that like doesn't just sit around and ambush. They will go chase something through a treetop. You know what and I mean? Unlike in domestic situations, it's life or death. I'm gonna right. eat or I mean, I'm gonna it, die. Or so. I expended all this energy and for nothing. nothing. Exactly. And then yeah. even during the feeding season, you're gonna see them move around more and try to get more and more prey. You oh, for sure. More more. For sure, man. For sure, roaming is a big thing, right? Well, you know that girl's trying to bulk up when she starts seeing her roam all the time, man. When she's just roaming that cage all the, the time. Wow, that bitch is hunting. She's hunting. Exactly. Exactly. Um, sorry, someone on YouTube asked, what do you think is the best car- carpet python to own? One you give a fuck That's about. it. <laughs> That's across the board. But really, uh, just a small one. I think jungles are really easy to keep. That's just my experience. Just... But anyway, just I mean, at least me from the outside, I don't feel like your jungles are any harder to keep than your diamonds. Well, but the thing is that I'm thinking more of like if it was a full diamond, that's a diamond jungle. So I'll keep it more like a jungle than a diamond. But the fact is, if you have a coastal, you may need six feet, six foot cages, and you may not give a fuck that much, or four foot cages. Um, You can keep jungles, I believe, in Z70s if you feed them the way I feed them. But yeah, I mean, it all depends on what you care about, for sure. IJs are smaller, but then again, I believe they're a little bit harder to keep in, like, jungles from at least my experience. experience. Right. And um, Ryan, he said, how big is an aquarium for a retail? No aquariums. Ooh, no no <laughs> aquarium. Man, that this glass. No fish. Yeah, I always call it the glass box of death, man. You know, they you could make an aquarium decent if it's front opening at least. You know, you can't have that top lid. They're so food aggressive, man, that anything you do that's food oriented, they're gonna pick up on immediately. Well, the fucking top lid has to raise every time you're gonna feed this thing. So every time that top lid raises, guess what? We're looking for food. Uh, it's much more easy. To kill that feed sense coming straight on front on in a front sliding door environment. When it's coming down on top, now you're two things. You're either food or you're a prey. Either way, you're getting fucking bit. Either way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You never want to be coming <laughs> down on these animals. Retics specifically as well, they make eye contact with you. And they do not like you to stare them down in the eyes. Your eyes are about two degrees different than the rest of your body. They're much warmer than the rest of your face. They can tell when you're making eye contact with them. And an Audrey retic, one that's already wound up and already already not feeling very secure about itself if you're staring it in the eyes it's going to start lashing out at you it's going to start acting Damn, funny it's going to start to love retail oh yeah for sure monsters let's go they're fucking sharp man they're watching you just like you're watching them yeah. man and, and i think that's a key so it makes it hard to keep them in these glass boxes they really you're making a cave you need fucking all the sides to be blacked out with a front door that they can see everything coming in they can really go all right this isn't prey 
this is, you know, this guy. Because the replays had to be so quick to get exactly to, to snag a bird out of the air yeah, like, like that. Fuck your hand, dude. Exactly, man. So when I'm in these front enclosures too, I'm so far as like left side handle, right side feet. Anything you can do different to make a routine that's strict, they're gonna pick it up. It gets to where when I open the left door now, none of my retics move. When I open the right door, they're fucking flying they're out the door. Right. <laughs> exactly. And tap training is a must. If you're not, when that door opens, tapping that animal, let them know you're coming or offering food immediately. You're doing it wrong. And I try to say, you know, there's a lot of ways to do things fucking right. That tap training with retics, it's a must. You're not going to feed this thing in a separate environment and then put it back in its cage once it's all wound up. It's just not happening, man. That's really shit. A 16-foot retic, yeah, I don't care what you fed it. When you go to put it back in its cage where it lives, it's going to try to eat you as well. For whatever reason, the hungriest python is the one that just ate. Is the one that just ate. He's <laughs> like, 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 like if the and the olives, 100%. Ready to go immediately. They yep. just want another for rat, three full rat. days on your retics. I don't touch Jeez. anybody after they ate for three days, man. Because you're ready sure. to go. So they're, they're just. Like, they're I got one mode. thing. I'm ready. Exactly. Jeez. Good luck getting that big girl in that feed mode back in her environment, dude. It's not. Fun. I mean, you can imagine if, especially for those island species, once food comes. Oh yeah. Food might come for the season and then totally That's turn it? off right. migratory birds or something Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, dude. Like, they gotta be. On when they're on. Absolutely. So Otherwise, you're not going to gonna go. survive. Absolutely, man. Uh, and then I will say, you're not going to find another snake with a more intense feed sense than the retic. That's <laughs> fair it, man. Because they got the eyesight and the smell. And They've the got, it all, they got it all, dude. I mean, I'm thawing out food on my front porch that's like fucking 800 feet away from these guys, and they know it's there. Damn. They're already at the door looking for it. You know, they're in tune with what they do. Absolutely. And if I'm not tapping those animals, I get bit every time. Like, <laughs> you have to let them know. Like, you have to let them feed, know. Like, this is up. not food today. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, speaking of food, I'm hungry. <laughs> this is, unfortunately, usually how we always end up. Oh, yeah. Ending always this podcast. Like, yeah, it's it's munchy like, time. The end of the video. <laughs> One of yeah. us is like, okay, I'm hungry. Like, it's dinner time. Got to this eat. has been I mean, by far our most informative. Hell but yeah. we are over two hours, so I feel like, okay. Yeah, saying yeah, I'm a hungry. Dude, it goes so fucking quick. Yeah, I feel like, like I've been here 30 minutes. Because <laughs> I saw the Instagram go one hour, and I was like, Fuck, man. Like, that's been one hour. I feel like we're just getting started. There's well, so much right? stuff to I could definitely drop a whole lot more retic. We'll definitely, right? we'll definitely have to have you on <laughs> again, yes, dude. Yes, definitely. I'm just hungry. I don't mind being <laughs> yeah. the And best all y'all want me to answer all my stories of success in, like, a paragraph. So, like, we have message even, Tom yeah. Regan. <laughs> yeah, go message yeah. Tom Regan. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck, we didn't even touch, like, the top of the glacier here today, and, and we filmed two hours. But really, so. give out your... Uh, yeah, the Ivory Connection uh, hit me up. The Ivory Connection on Facebook. I'm working on a website again right now. It's kind of in works. Don't hit up any of the Ryan Sullivan <laughs> Facebook pages. Bunch of fucking assholes got me locked out all my shit. <laughs> Ivory Bond King is actually me, but I uh, just hit up the Facebook page. Like yeah, I'm always on there. The Ivory Connection, man. You hit up that Facebook page. I'll be with it within an hour. I'll, and I'll on Instagram because we're plugging that shit. Oh Whether yeah. Not, I, you have you noticed I think a gain I in your? followers Ryan I don't even watch it we at all. tagged you <laughs> and I would like to let you know you yep. had a gain in your followers I got some serious gain in my Instagram we wanted to do it just to be like 
you know, oh, we, yeah. we have some clout, you know. You all these people beg me, like, oh, you gotta get an Instagram, you gotta get an Instagram, and then I got one, I was like, You already take the pictures, man. Yeah. You sell them, you might as well just post them up. It's the same as Facebook, though, like, what's the difference? It's different, it's different people. I it's guess. different people. I don't know. I'll put somebody in charge of it. Yeah. <laughs> Evan, 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 yeah, Evan, when you get done with your guard bite, you're going to have to go on the Ivory Connection Instagram. Hell yeah, I like that. It's oh, funny, but yeah, thank you so much for hey, coming. Hey, I appreciate you guys I for having me. I think you like shed a light on some stuff. That they even bought good beer. Sober. Hell yeah. Um, I would like to not acknowledge my level Hell of yeah. soberness. All that Gorilla but. Glue. You gave us some more insight on retics and rats, like which because we don't I know. Don't like a hundred percent, like go for retics, and we like zero percent about rats. So. You. You've got an olive python. No, you're right. gonna. You have, have to get through me. Yeah. It's not happening. I'll win you guys. It's not you happening. I do love whitelists. I love whitelists. You're halfway oh, there. Then a whitelist is like this close to a tabor, and a tabor was called a retic for like fifty years. So like you're almost there. I love whitelists too. Northern Thank you, Ryan. Um, maybe next week we'll have another special guest. Who knows? This has been going well the past couple of weeks. We really like it. I get to play a little secretary and answer the questions, so I like it. Hell yeah. You know, you get to know your position. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Bitch, please. Hell yeah. Let's end this. Thank you, everyone. Do all the secretarial work. Thank you, Port City Pythons, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, wherever. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week. Uh, Wes said so, Joe, when he didn't get a And Wes, I'm not getting a retake. He's not getting a retake. He's getting but, a retake. But Wes will probably get a retake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. So just... Okay, let's go. Bye. And Wes, we're going to go to Lake Charles apparently sometime In this April. year. We will see you there on there. I'll be at Lake Charles. When? Whatever the next Lake Charles Herbs uh, is. We're just oh, going for a wedding. Herbs or Repticon are the same. Let's go together. Herbs. Yeah, man. Lake Charles uh, Herbs is well, a good you know, show. I'm from Louisiana. Something so weird about it. Hell state. yeah. So if you ever see a white van with no windows on the side that says free candy, that's us motherfuckers. No, but really, he has a white van. That's, I do. That's, it says okay. Uh, okay. driver carries but no money. That's <laughs> <laughs> not true. Don't out, roll up on us. Hey, check out Port City Pythons on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, our website. We have Longest some... outro of all time. Hell so yeah. Shrek needs his donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Are you the donkey?